Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. Before we get started with the amazing Jeff Depati, I want to tell you guys a little bit about uh, the process, which is Jeff Depati's program. And it's the ultimate challenge for men who are really looking to see, you know, what their warrior side is made of. It's not a TV show or a study, but it's a once in a lifetime experience for a man who has achieved his own version of excellence, but really wants to know how far he can really push his limits. It's a game of sorts, you versus the process. At least that's how it starts out. So Jeff has got this amazing opportunity for the Brass and Unity listeners to go and sign up for Serial 4 of The Process and let him know where you found it, the Brass and Unity podcast. Go check him out. Otherwise, enjoy this week's episode with Jeff Depati. Jeff Depati. I'm not saying it with an accent. I'll leave that to you. Come on. We you have- spent time in Valcarche. Yeah, but forceful time. It's like the time, it's kind of like going to visit a a family member that you don't want to visit that you have to, and you slowly get rubbed off on. And you're like, why do I talk like that now? Well, that was Vaketsi. So I try not Uh, to pronounce anything in French uh, pretty much except for that word, unless I absolutely have to. That's all good. So welcome to the show, buddy. We've been trying to do this now for a minute. Yeah. 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 Uh, Much gratitude for having me. Uh, I really appreciate (laughs) the ups and downs of getting here. Uh, there's been a few things on your side, a few things on my side, but no, I'm super pleased to be here. Well, that's good. I, I'm, I'm really glad because I cannot believe it took me having to talk to the gay porn star Andy Stumpf about you to finally actually figure out who you were when we are both Canadian. Yes, you'd think in such a small world, circles and paths would cross, but uh, it's not always the case, is it? Well, it's funny because, uh, especially in America, I find the Navy SEALs are all very tight. The Rangers are all really tight. I don't know almost anything about the JTF2. And I think that was well designed and intentional, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the truth is, I don't know either. No, I just can't. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's you'd think with a smaller populace, you know, that Canada has a smaller military, like we said. Um, paths would cross, but uh, they tend not to. The U.S. has also turned retiring from the military into its own industry, where Canada is, I think, just getting going. Uh, you know, I could say pioneers like yourself um, and a few others, but not nearly, like you said, the amount of cross pollination that happens down in the U.S. for uh, retirees. It's interesting to see how well and how big it's getting in the states from you know the the GWA war ending finally and seeing the the changeover i'm i'm glad to see the amount of veteran entrepreneurs coming out i'm glad to see the the society that they have around them welcoming them and and really just you know wanting to hear about why they are the way they are it's very interesting up here because i don't know what you're, what you've got going on currently in Canada or what it's like or where you're at, but it's just not the same way. When I started my company in Canada in about almost six years ago now, it was actually met with really bad pushback. We had, um, the Ottawa, somebody from Ottawa bought a piece of our jewelry and decided, um, they were going to have a meltdown about me selling casings and called the Chilliwack military police on me to then send the RCMP to my front door 
with their guns out over a bullet bracelet. Yeah. Sometimes uh, Canada is a little in the stone ages. Um, and I think people, what happens, it's like anything, the, the fear of the unknown, right? In this case, someone doesn't know what you're doing. They don't know what the casings can be used for. They don't know the, the positives, you know, they just see the potential small negatives that they know. And then they fill in the blanks and make decisions out of overwhelmed minds. And then all of a sudden you are, you know, the taxpayers RCMP is at your door and they're like, oh, okay. Uh, for jewelry, great, you know. I don't have a gun license. I mean, not yet. I am getting one, but I, I don't, don't even have a gun license. It's like, it's the, it's the best. It's the best when you see the reaction of our governments um, in comparison to others, especially in the past five years, and then frankly in the past two years in particular. But, but forget all of that bullshit because that's not why I had you on the show. I had you on the show because I want to know about you. I want to understand the Jeff Depati that everyone keeps telling me is some insane sniper and wild, wild talent, military, spectacular crown jewel that Canada has. So I'm like, I got to talk to this guy. Yeah. That's you. I'm talking to you, buddy. Oh, thanks for the flattery. That's uh, I never heard it like that. It's not my flattery. This is what people are telling me and they're pushing me. They're like, listen, you got to talk to this guy. He is like, he's what makes Canada cool. And I was like, shit, I thought it was Ryan Reynolds. They're like, nope, wrong. Jeff Depati. I was like, oh my God. Okay. I think I got the shoulders for it, man. Well, you got to have something <laughs> for it. As fuck. So yeah. why the, how did you, what, how did you start in the military, man? You know how that story, that old chestnut is, it's starts young, you know, it percolates through living um <laughs> yeah it's 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 hard to find like the real genesis of how it unfolds 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 uh it was definitely in my dna in my blood in my family's dna and blood um my grandfather in world war ii um he was an inventor it was you know certainly something i inherited genetically but also uh, wanted to nurture myself i i, I always I don't know yet. I'm at the point now on the other side of my career. I don't know if it was in my ignorance or in my bliss, but um, it seemed like that's the way I wanted to go. Plus, I was um, a child of the 80s. I, I, you know, mm -hmm. we had Rambo and uh, Schwarzenegger. We had all the, the best action heroes of all time, you know, culminating in G.I. Joe. And it was like, well, you know, I guess this is how I become of service. I, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be of service. I just didn't know what that meant. So it was like, Oh, be a serviceman, you know, uh, join the military. Okay. And over the years, just like similar to our conversation here, there's moments where there's pushback and things get in the way and you bumper pin around a bit. And eventually a little bit later in life compared to some around 25, I finally was able to enlist. Um, I had some bumps in the road, you know, taking care of family business, things of that nature. Um, and then, you know, preparatory time, all that jazz. And then uh, we, uh, we, as if I had multiple people, uh, <laughs> signed up in the infantry. I, I knew I wanted to do infantry. Um, um, I love that yeah. you just noticed that before I did. <laughs> so Jeff, this is multiple Jeffs. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I is, like this it. This is version one. No. Uh, like I said, I knew I was, I was, I was, I was an extreme guy. Um, my pushback on the world and my, my youth was extreme, 
behaviors, you know, extreme sports, extreme activity. <laughs> what did and, you do? Uh, like growing up? Oh, like snowboarding, yep. skydiving, uh, mountain climbing, uh, you name it, it was in there and it was done. And most of it's still being done. Uh, just I have a different respect and reverence for it. And I use it differently than I used to. Did you grow up in Quebec? No, no, I was in uh, Northern Ontario. Uh, oh, this is making way more sense. Yes, yes. The, the French-Canadian spillover from Quebec uh, mm. or on that side. Uh, yeah, but that's the sense, side of... So. Well, the, the, what's making sense is the more rugged outdoor living is more of a Northern Canadian behavior rather than growing up, say, in Quebec City or in Montreal mm. or in Ontario in certain areas. Like there's a... When you say that you... <clears throat> this was you know, the, the same old chestnut down through the family. I had none of that. And mm -hmm. the reason I, I'm shocked when you say is because I feel like for Canadians who serve, it's so, it's such a different story. Yeah. There's like the grandfather that served maybe, but there's almost that detached point there. And in Canada, we don't have recruiters coming to the high schools and showing up at, you know, just being like calling your parents being like, your kid needs to join the army or the cops being like, it's the military or this, that wasn't a thing. So when you say that, I'm, I was trying to picture where you're from. Cause if you're like, if you're, you're comfortable in all of those outdoors guns, that type of aspect young, I was, I was planning in my head. I'm like, he's either from way up North or you grew up for a little bit somewhere up near Alaska area but that makes a lot more sense to me now. Yeah. Well, it, you're absolutely right. The exposure is, is limited in Canada. We, we, we don't see anyone at our high schools and, you know, during prep rallies or whatever, <laughs> I don't know if they still do that kind of stuff. It's been a while I since don't know. high school. <laughs> um, but, that, but that was part of the interest. It's, I think it's kind of interesting just because now I'm on the other side and I have a lot of people like, Oh, okay, well, what's JTF two about what's the special force all about? I can't find anything. I don't know anything. And that was a, a bit of like serendipity on my part when I went in uh, the final time to the recruiting center. Cause I went in a few times, you know, tire kicking and stuff, getting some information. And then when I was finally actually, you know, going through the recruitment process, uh, she brought me behind this secret door and told me all <laughs> about JTF two. And I, I, I look back now and I'm like, Oh man, like, there was no secret. It's, it's, it's a, a national mission force that everyone should know about. You know, it, it is something, um, it's a great unit and Canadians should know about it. And for those who do choose a life in the military, they should know how to access it. It doesn't mean, you know, you know, all the secrets and ins and outs of selection and stuff, but definitely, uh, the easy, simple, you know, one-on-one on recruiting, they should know. Just availability that that's even an option for individuals that are of older age when they join that's something that fascinates me with you and again this is exactly what i've been saying it seems like when i talk with individuals who are a higher caliber human being so i consider those people go fast people and i don't just mean in the military i use that term it professional sports i mean if you're a go fast adrenaline you know really well fit person it's interesting because the Brit the British and the military, the British and the American military, their special forces community, a lot of those guys didn't, at least that I've spoken with, didn't join until like early 20s. It wasn't, they weren't the 18 year old like me who was like, take me, I have nothing to do and no value. I'm all of yours. <laughs> do what you want with this. Like it, it, when you just said, even just, I went into the recruiter's office like two to three times, just gathering information. I was 
blows my mind because no, I signed on the dotted line like a good set, like there. Hi, this is my name. Here's the paperwork. Like the smarter people who end up joining, I find between 20 and 25 or 27, those are the people that always seem to go SF. And I wonder if it's because you're just smarter or if it's because you think things through a little bit better, but there's something. Jeez, oh, that's, that's a complex question. I, I think I would love to think I'm smarter, but I, I'm humble enough to know I'm not. Um, you know, you, you have more time to marinate, percolate, mm-hmm. but like, what is, who's to argue the perfection of life, right? You went in 18, like your, your, maybe your body, maybe your soul, maybe your mind, whatever you want to call it new. Hey, I got to kick open this door and go do this. And it led one thing to the next thing. And I, I hope it's uh, led to all good things for you, you know, down the line. Took, took a rough 10 years there, but we're, we're climbing out now. So that's okay. Well, there is nothing great without effort. That's, that's the illusion that modern society has given some people that, uh, you know, you got to plunge your hands into the muck and you got to, um, as your book behind you says there, do the, do the effing work, you know, that is part of it. Um, you're not going to hit the target you don't aim at. So anyways, yeah. And went in, started, went through basic training, soldier qualification, uh, all that kind of jazz and, uh, into the infantry, into the airborne. Which and, infantry unit did you go to in Canada first? Uh, I was uh, with three RCR. Uh, the oh, okay. Canadian you were with them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Those are good dudes. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I had a great time. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my, uh, my tour to Afghanistan it was amazing. As we just discovered, you, you were coming in as I was leaving in 2009, and so you were just regular infantry in 2009? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so you yeah. did one deployment with them and then came back. And then is yeah. that when you decided? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I uh, um, boned up, started training. I started training overseas as much as I could, as much as I could, because there was a while where we were living in, uh, in cops and, you know, sleeping outside and stuff. So there's only so much you can do when you're, when, once mm-hmm. we, um, kind of near the end of the tour moved into a fob uh, where they had a gym it was part possible to start training and which fob was that um uh, spurwangar my god oh been a while i almost said massengar um yeah so we were in spur and then we spent time up along the uh, argandab river and different cops um that was kind of our stomping ground i think it was the 290 easting um it, it was great uh, i loved it i i, I have a very fond, fond, fond memories of it. I, I was fortunate that I didn't um, have to do, I didn't have to leave the military and resolve anything in terms of like, uh, did I do the right thing or not? You know, as mm-hmm. people try to build up their identity and make sense of the world, bring meaning to, to life, um, especially post-military. I was very fortunate where I didn't have to do that. Um, spent, it was about nine months there, came back, uh, started prepping for selection even more spent about oh maybe eight months getting ready it was kind of a funky time because i came back in the spring and they didn't run selection like they normally do in the fall they pushed it they they, they reconstructed the operators course um, so i spent a little bit more time i had more time prep which was great uh it paid off and uh i was hanging out in like a, a transport company with the with the sharpest of the knives. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, 
No, it was great. They, they put me in a place where I, I, I could actually train twice a day. Uh, I really appreciate uh, what the leadership did there. And then, uh, yeah, selection again, it was a little bit of a longer wait just because like I was saying about that new construct of the program, they made it mm -hmm. longer and more difficult. And then, um, yeah, 10 month operator course and into the unit for about the better part of a decade. And, you know, um, so bring me, bring me back to this because <clears throat> If somebody wanted to say they were in PPCLI or Avandu or RCR and they wanted to go the selection route, is it that you have to do, how does that all work? Because again, when I was in, I was very fit. That was, that was like the only thing I had as I was very, very, very fit. And I remember them saying, go run the Cooper test, just see what you do. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what the Cooper test was. I had no idea what a tan beret meant. I had no, I had, I was in the military, finished training, posted, and no clue that there was this whole other side of the Canadians. Everybody thinks that the Americans are the only ones that have special forces, but even, even the British, I didn't understand their special forces system, even when I was in the service. So how did you go from from coming back from a deployment to deciding you want to do selection and even having your leadership go for something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a few things. Um, yep. I want to make sure that we're uh, I'm covering a couple points that I think are important. If we're, if we're going to talk about like the recruiting, I, I'd really like to hand over some, you know, wisdom, yeah. if you will, to people. Who I are would, looking this at is it. exactly what I would love to hear. So hit me with it. Um, as far as like the actual act of recruiting, it's really not all that hard. I would say anyone knows about it and is interested in it. You start stating your intentions right away. I remember being in basic training, like week one, being like, yep, this is where I'm going. And I remember my course weren't like kind of looking at me like, you know, rolling you gotta, your eyes. Yeah. You got a lot of hurdles, bud. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs in between then and there. And, you know, once you do get there and try out, there's a lot of broken hearts, um, but that's the nature of the beast. Uh, but what I did do, that this is the part that I think people should pay attention to. Everybody, um, so in in our in our collective, the uh, SFE, the Special Forces Experience, um, I kind of break it down into four things. I call it PQ, IQ, EQ, SQ. Okay, um, everyone's pretty familiar with the term IQ, intelligence quotient. You know, uh, less but more than the others, uh, people are familiar with emotional quotient, how we interact with people, how we empathetically bond, how I understand you and you understand me and how we communicate that. Um, but what we use on top of those two is PQ and SQ. One is physical or physiological quotient and the other one is spiritual quotient. And I'll, I'll touch on a little bit of each. Like it's very physically, anyone who wants to get in the SF, pick up the manual. It, it, there's literally a manual to train. It, it's really well developed. And if you follow it, you will be physically capable to do it. You know, PQ is right. moving your body through space and time. And it, it's not like you mentioned the Cooper's test. It'll certainly prep you for that. Um, but what it'll do is it'll prove like, you know, consistency, capacity, persistence, uh, your ability to move in different, uh, directions laterally, you know, without being mm -hmm. injured, um, beyond, uh, just getting, you know, in the Cooper says five exercises, right? Bench, run, whatever they are, pull-ups. Um, you, you can move your body through space and time really well, but also build up things like hand-eye coordination and reaction time. Those are, mm -hmm. those are the two big ones. 
um, that you want to make sure are nurtured as much as possible. Next one, IQ, that's your intelligence quotient. That's how your upper cerebral area works and how it folds thoughts and ideas into usually a linear program. <laughs> Most people think with language. So language can only really, yes, we can bring paradox into it. Uh, but by and large, when people are making meaning of the world, they attempt to do so linearly. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they don't nurture the more feminine right side of the brain. If you want the more abstract into it, it's a little harder to access. Um, so anyways, brain games online, uh, anything that involves your memory recall, long and short-term memory. I, I won't break down into like the mm -hmm. aspects of that, but mm -hmm. just kind of tune into that. And then EQ is a little trickier to work on. <sighs> especially because most people's minds are what's called an augmented survival, a bit of overwhelm. Uh, they carry more stress than they think they do. And when your body and mind carry more stress than they think they do, the ego goes into this protection mode and it justifies all its behaviors. And it very much doesn't think open-endedly. So if you don't think very open-endedly, you're not able to receive, um, I'll, I'll say messages from the universe if you want, but you know, even just, uh, cues from your environment, your very real environment around you. Um, so with EQ, what I would say is if people want to start training that up, um, it's outdated in my opinion, but it's a very good reference. And that's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And on the bottom is your physiological needs, your brain. If it doesn't have sleep, food, and water, it, it'll eventually deteriorate, you know? So you got to understand how to use those things but understand that you got to stress them. That's, that's a big part of our programming is how do you properly physiologically stress your cells, your neurons, which are cells, but I look at them a little differently, but you stress them in order to give them more range to work with it. Because um, if you have a very narrow zone with which your body is used to operating, you're not going to be able to go out of your comfort zone and you certainly won't rise to the occasion if courage is ever called upon you. Um, so anyways, it goes beyond just communication. So this next part is more where the EQ starts to get into, you know, love, belonging, understanding what being secure in your environment is and what insecure is. So those are kind of self-explanatory. You're, you're secure. You understand where you are. You can make sense of the reality around you as much as we want to talk about reality, but your <laughs> ideality, you know, the way you view, um, so-called, you know, subjectively isn't compromised at that time. There's small things that bump you out of that, you know, stress in traffic. When, when we drive, we use a lot of our brain capacity to actually drive. So our ability to handle stress actually goes down unless we practice a lot, right? Like a, a car, uh, you know, formula one guy or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but moving uh, from secure to insecure, that's the hero's journey, right? From you know, the call to action into the underworld. And then you come back with the elixir. The elixir is um, new skills, new, new abilities, new perspectives and new lenses. Um, so you stress those on purpose. And mostly um, the reason I mentioned in the EQ pile is because people need to learn about themselves. You said 25 to 30, that makes sense. You know, my brain is more developed. I've gone through more life than a, mm -hmm. an 18 year old. So I understand myself, which, you know, on the Maslowian hierarchy, you know, self-actualization, self-esteem, those are all about the self and understanding the self. And I can only do that through 
you mostly. It doesn't mean I don't go inwards and contemplate these deeply, but you can tell me like, oh, Jeff, you're being an idiot or, hey, you ever think about this? You know, like it, you may not mm-hmm. necessarily, and I'm not saying you actually, Kelsey, someone might not have the best. I'm an tact. example right now on the other side of the screen. Yes. Yes. You're very conveniently placed there. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, you move up kind of to self-actualization. Most people won't self-actualize before they, they go um, before their thirties, you know, some people will, and, and you, it's like a, a, an ebb and a flow. You're not always there, right? Your body moves to insecure states, you know, um, things will draw you out of that, but it's about understanding that understanding your emotions. A lot of people don't truly understand their emotions, their shadows, how they, their arousal levels will impact them deeply and, and start thinking for them. That's where the ego kind of puts up the blinder of like, okay, I'm surviving. I guess I'm good. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet you're like this destructive force through the universe. You know, you're, you're, you're caustic to other people. You're dangerous to the environment. Anyways, tune that up. And then SQ is a little bit more, I think it's the fun one, but I think it's the whole thing. In, in essence, if we're talking about spirituality, for me, spirituality is whatever quest you're on to return to oneness um, to feel whole complete with yourself, but with other people in as close to enlightenment or alignment as you can get. And if, just to take out the semantics, if I'm talking enlightenment, I'm talking about aligning your particles with the rest of the particles of the universe so that you're not forceful. You're not destroying or imbalancing them on the, like the kind of scales of good and evil. Um, and that one's important because I think that's where one very important word for people who want to go through things like selection or do anything difficult in the world. And that's where hope exists. Um, you know, in, in the military, we use the, the term morale, um, mm-hmm. which I think is similar and they're built up similarly. You know, as your morale bucket goes down, you lose hope. Um, right. I think they're kind of one in the same tied to attitude a bit, but you build that up. You don't, you know, get off the couch one day, have done nothing in your life and have a fucking bucket full of hope and you're yeah. able to go be an operator, right? Or you're able to take on the twin towers as they're crumbling or whatever difficult situation you want to put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you build that up. And also it, it, it's, it's what helps you feel complete in terms of mattering in the world. Um, so yeah, quick recap, you know, build your body, your mind, your soul, um, I mentioned Maslow's just because as of now, uh, there isn't a, a way better simple framework. Um, we are working on one actually in our, in our documentary that we're filming. Um, we're calling it the art of adversity and it's nice. not, not the doc the, that's a, sorry. It's about yeah, post-traumatic but- growth, the doc, but that, the, the concept is art of adversity and it's, it's encompassing incorporating all these levels, right? Like right now we have a huge boom in the world people going to the gym, like people are like getting so swell, you know, um, mm-hmm. I go to the gym. I'm always like, Holy geez, man, what do you need all that for? What are you doing? You know? Right. Um, but to, you got to expand the whole, all four of them together, expand your consciousness, how you move through the world, your situational awareness, how you perceive it, how you react to it. And, uh, ultimately to go back to the word service, which is what I think most people are trying to do. They just do it from a, a more low vibrational, standpoint right like your mind's not as shaped you know your life experiences aren't all there so that i but i think lots of people have a general urge to be of service to society um in some form 
know, in some way, shape or form, some way, shape or forms through some, um, the, the obvious ones are things like military first responder, mm -hmm. uh, charities, things like that, you know, our, our, our systems that we have right now, the, uh, institutions of our society, if you will, in some ways, you know, like they kind of shackle us in a lot of ways, but they're there kids, young adults, even adults, we can see those they are like, oh, okay, that's what I can do. Um, I think if you build up these four things, PQ, IQ, EQ, SQ, you expand who you are, and then you're able to vector that kind of arrow of service, if you will, you know, that sort of truth, if you're going to achieve mm -hmm. it, you know how to do it better so that I mentioned earlier, I, I was young still in Afghanistan, really relatively like, I mean, I'm still young now, you know, I, I, I'm learning constantly. I get a, I got a lot of space to learn, but I just, it just helps me realize how much I don't know. And it just continues to build my humility. Um, oh, that's one of the ethos of JTF two is humility. Um, I don't know. Most people don't really know them, but humility, equality of responsibility, relentless pursuit of excellence and a sense of humor. Understand those four things. A sense of humor. I know you laugh because lots of people don't truly know what it's like to be in a shitty situation, a really shitty situation, and then have to laugh irreverently because we talked about making meaning. Uh, comics or comedians are really good at this right they, yeah. they make fun of funny situations because our mind is like okay how do i fold this like covid into my reality right uh, without maybe a little sense of humor to douse it you know so it doesn't set you on fire mm -hmm. um anyway humor is incredibly important especially on deployment and i talk about that quite a bit about dark humor and i think that's why i i struggled with assimilation into society up until this point is because I'll say things that'll make your face melt off mm. um, to a normal person and not for reaction, but because they're comical to me because they alleviate my pressure and, and some of my weight, but humor, there's humor. And then there's veteran humor mm -hmm. and first responder humor. And there's, it's a, it's a drastically different thing. And society doesn't, always agree or see it as clear that there is humor and that there is really dark humor and that it's okay to have both versions. Um, obviously there's better times and places than others, but there are, you know, if you're around a group of like-minded individuals like yourself, humor, talking about some of the most horrific parts of your life or things that you've seen or done, humor alleviates the weight and it, it just makes it okay for about three and a half seconds. So I can understand why humor is acceptable and necessary in your line of work. Oh, it's massive. Um, I think in the pursuit of life, whatever you're doing, if you're not smiling and laughing now and then, your brain is in overwhelm. You are not in alignment uh, and you are a danger to yourself and others. That's how it goes. Like there's more serious people, you know, if you want to put on some kind of factor scale you know some right. people are more neurotic and some people i'm i'm actually quite a bit more neurotic than a lot of people if i fill it out uh, honestly it doesn't people don't know really what the word neurotic means i just have a bit more of a my lens is like instead of like my wife will walk into a room and be like oh that's amazing that's amazing that's amazing that's great and i'll be like oh what is that you know and it's not like i hate the room <laughs> it's just how <laughs> I, I perceive reality i, I right. would 
um, because I, I did quickly mention about our documentary that we're shooting on post. Yeah, no, let's talk. Well, yeah, let's talk oh, about if it. If I could, Kelsey, I, specifically yeah. on one question, because we are, you, you mentioned sense of humor. Um, yeah. I don't know if you have uh, a few places that your listeners post their thoughts or comments. Yeah. I would imagine there are some, but I would love to hear from them how they use sense of humor uh, yeah. to move through struggle and also uh, not just how they use it, but their, their thoughts on it. You know, I, I like, oh yeah, it releases endorphins and it helps chemically align this and it builds bonds and it limbically bonds. Like I, like I would love to hear um, yeah. from the esoteric all the way to the scientific. Um, thank you. Sorry to cut you off. No, don't ever apologize. And a hundred percent. Well, as soon as we put your episode out, we'll make sure to ask everyone and we'll get a poll going and we'll gather some data for you and we'll, we'll shove it all down your throat. It'll be great. <sighs> That's perfect. Yeah. You've here's where you've kind of fucked up is you've come on the show now, which means all the people that are really like good in-depth listeners, they start making memes, they send packages, they'll find out where you live, they'll email you, you know, they're, they're the type of people that invest in time. So they'll take time to, to respond to you on a regular basis now about humor. So <laughs> sorry in advance. That's okay. That's a testament to the hard work you've put in cultivating a good community. Um, well, something like that. I think we just, I think there's such need for it that people oh, you were pay like, them. I see. I pay, yeah, I pay them. I pay <laughs> everyone from everywhere in the world that I talk with on a regular basis. We we're on a, a rev share structure. That works. Uh, yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yes, exactly. Please continue. I'm, I'm, I'm very much, um, I'm just really enjoying hearing you talk about the aspects of this. It's really, really fascinating to me. So please continue. Uh, well, we kind of started off on, you know, tools for selection and not move right. through uh mm-hmm. where, where where are you liking where what are you where are you uh, liking <laughs> i got a couple questions before i take you because i know you i do want to talk about your documentary i was looking into that and i think the name is brilliant i think it's really well well <laughs> well placed pun but also really descriptive of exactly what it is and i'm i'm, I'm thrilled about that so i do want to get to that but i do have a couple questions you're the type of individual just based off of the responses and in-depth knowledge you just gave me and my listeners about all of the different um, aspects needed to be successful in selection. You kind of touched on some things and I'm curious about how you, how you learned all of this in terms of your spirituality, your balance, the, the, you know, you, you, you mentioned Maslow's hierarchy, but also the stress on the body, the way you talk is really fascinating to me. I don't know if you've ever listened to yourself talk, Mm-mm. but you're really knowledgeable in things that I, I'm interested in that mainly around the self-actualization, the ebb and flow of things, the balance of things, the, the being one with things, the, the, the security in that, that stuff is really interesting to me. The way you're speaking, and you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, or because I don't actually know the tr- the answer. Have you ever dabbled in psychedelics? <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll. We can discuss later. Yeah, no, no, so no, re- no, 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 no. I'm good. I, I, I because you're I gotta... speaking, you're speaking about light and and things and and the human experience from somebody who. F- obviously you've been through some stuff, but, and seen some things, but from somebody who's able to really step outside of themselves and their ego. And I'm, 
like kind of blown away because I don't know if I didn't expect that, but not to this, this depth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, to be honest, uh, I think some of it is um, most of the mediums for which I, you know, not, and this is not a slag, but you know, most military people aren't known for their transcendence, you know, that's, that's like, it's, it's one of those things. And most of the things I do right now still have um, the veneer of being military. Like, right. so what I'll do is I'll back up. So I said, the SFE organization, the special forces experience, really what it stands for is self-transcendence for everyone. And what we do is we, I can't promise you transcendence. No one can really promise you that the, all that work is on you, but what you can do like our program, the process is we can create arenas and we can nurture those aspects, PQ, IQ, SQ, EQ. Um, and the gamut is huge because now we're talking about human truth and human truth. If you picture it like a sphere, you know, it comes out and you're a little baby, you got like no truth. <laughs> you build on it, right? You're, you no set truth. a life experience, you, you contemplate it, you look at it from different angles. Most importantly, you find the shadows. What am I, what are my behaviors that I'm not looking at to move through that? I, so to kind of go where you were, I, I was a natural born seeker um, from a very young age. I, I loved exploring the mind um, and nature. Uh, I use a an expression i mentioned maslow's hierarchy being a bit outdated this one is as well it's from a guy named lewin it's p plus equals b and really it's behavior um is a product of our personality our cognitive traits our body and the environment right it it's no secret i think we are one but we interact with our environment it interacts with us on a quantum level on an atomic level on a sensory level and that's where you know, really deep seekers look and they'll go to all aspects of it. Um, and I, to answer your question, so yes, psychedelics, and I will touch on that, is a thing, but we can recreate that. Like our program, the process can recreate mm -hmm. that experience. We create the neuronal impacts that happen in your brain, the hormonal changes, things of that nature. What happens is on psychedelics, and I'm not going to, oh, I will, I, I'd love to touch on the more spiritual you know, extrapolated yeah. end of this for sure. But just on a kind of brain chemistry level, uh, we can replicate those to a certain extent, which well, I, we produce DMT on our own naturally when put into a certain state, right? With yeah. breathing exercises and things like that. We have the tools and ability if we teach ourselves how to tap into things properly. properly. It takes so, a lot of work. So DMT, exactly. Well, yeah, but so you just use the magic word there. What we'll do like in the process is, you have these biorhythms and we'll offset those so that the theory is because uh, it's not scientifically validated yet. When those rhythms change, now you are awake with DMT. You mentioned breathing. We can do that. But uh, something like with psychedelics, psychedelics, if I do something to like my temporal parietal lobe or something like that, my TPJ, someone, a certain, if you do certain things in different parts of the brain, it will activate uh, certain experiences like out-of-body experiences um all the things that can be we'll call just psychedelics right now because i don't you know there's, there's mind altering yeah there's psilocybin but then there's some other you know there's ibogaine and pe uh, peyote and you know ayahuasca there's there's the gamut there's 5-meo there's molly like there's yeah. and then there's naturals and uh, synthetics and stuff like that so what right. we'll use then um is we'll use the term that if you don't mind that I like to use all okay. of these are altered states of consciousness. So Perfect. everything I just mentioned about like, say like PQ, SQ, EQ, IQ, 
is about tuning up your body, mind, and soul to go and alter its state of consciousness, which almost always involves stepping into the unknown. Um, that's what courage is. Um, if anyone wants to be a young operator, you got to be courageous, um, not brave, courageous. What that is, is if there's a place in your mind, if I'm about to do something and I've never been in that room, in that space, I've never approached this scenario. You know, I don't have it in my toolbox and my skills drills and I step into it. I turn and I move in that direction. Um, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going in. <laughs> um, and don't think just necessarily, you know, cause I'm an operator kicking down the door, going in the room. Uh, but that could be facing um, what I think are the hardest things. You mentioned ayahuasca. Ayahuasca usually shows people their shadows, you know, stuff that's been buried and knotted away in their hippocampal areas and things like that since childhood. And it's, it's punchy. Um, in fact, oh, I better not say it. But yes, uh, I've experienced what? ayahuasca. What do you mean uh, you better not say it? Well, there could be legalities and things. Why like don't that. you tell me and I'll edit it out? How's that? Um, well, just recently, um, I, I, I will edit out. it out. Don't stress. I'll edit. Okay. No, no, I, I'm not stressed. I'm not going to okay. stress too much, but yeah, we'll, we'll figure out if it's cool or not. Um, I, I did a daime. So daime is a pure form of ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is the vine and it's usually mixed. Daime is delivered from the church of Santo Daime in Brazil, I believe it is. Okay. Um, my wife would know more on that. And it's, it's bottled and then it's prayed over for a month. Um, it, uh, and, and only practitioners can give it to you. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I've been so fortunate in my life, um, but we've come across a really great shaman. She's amazing. She's truly what a shaman is. And, uh, Where I, but is I did a, she's out of Costa Rica, um, okay. but she's an American. Uh, so she can travel around. Um, and I went in the desert and did a solo journey on Daime. Um, so uh, th that was, that was pretty interesting. Um, I, I've dabbled with psilocybins and DMTs and other things as well. Um, you know, to, to turn up, to tune up the old ticker, but also to find, uh, you know, those stones. If, if you go through life and you leave a lot of stones unturned, you're going to have a lot of regret. Um, and it's usually not until those dying experiences, but on dying, uh, dying releases a huge amount of DMT. I think it's one of right. the most fascinating things people do. It's like, why are we... Like there's, it's one thing to evacuate your system, but why do we have this amazing concoction that connects us to the Akasha, to God, to whatever, you know, the, the extrapolation of what consciousness is, right? The Tesseract mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, I've definitely in my journey seeking and healing, um, potentially like you, I saw that picture of the brain on your computer. And I, I think I read that you have PTSD. Uh, there's a good chance. I don't know this. I'm just going to make some assumptions. You were in the artillery. The artillery probably did some damage to your brain because it's highly concussive for anyone who's never stood beside a cannon. Um, <laughs> Thank you for saying that because according to veterans affairs right now, all of my hearing loss and concussive damage has nothing to do with my service. So People don't quite understand. There's tons of new research out right now that's just been published about concussive blasts and small arms fire uh, with individuals who are exposed on a regular basis. And particularly if there is a wall or object 
close enough, the ricochet that comes off and smacks you again, once you pull the lanyard or you're loading the charges or the rounds of an M777, which for those who don't quite understand is a 155 millimeter howitzer that kicks around over 40 kilometers distance. That's a hundred pounds. So when you stand near one, it feels like the whole ground shakes, everything around you shakes. And prior to military history, I was a professional fighter and rugby player. So the old brain up there has taken a few hits. It's a good time. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. You mentioned the VA literally, I got off the phone with veterans affairs this morning before this call. Oh no. Um, yeah. So like, I'll, I'll just kind of like Cole's note. I fell out of a helicopter. I got a broken arch in my foot. I have hip damage. I have multiple tears and arthritis in both my shoulders. I have neck problems. I have a rare tropical disease. I don't, they don't <laughs> even know where I got it. Um, I have hearing damage yeah. and tinnitus um, and the audacity of these people, you know, Oh like yeah. I, I, he, he was polite. Um, and I, he's not the decision maker, right? He's just, he's, he's, he's the, the information gatherer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won't get into the details uh, people. If you do join the military, the RCMP police force document your medical stuff. Don't worry about being a hero. There is no heroes when you're out. If you're broken, uh, it is not the time to try to, um, like <laughs> all I got from my labors were pains, you know, and I, now I'm like, I left like, okay, I won't say anything. And, and it's, it's, it's not fun on this side, but you mentioned no. about um, the howitzers. Uh, mm -hmm. One, um, I, I have a very fond set of memories about howitzers when we were in contact, you know, mm -hmm. when you hear that, the crump or whatever, the, when it hits, um, it's a very, it's a warm, they call it the warm and fuzzies, um, <laughs> you know, when uh, it's blowing stuff up. But anyways, in the unit, we started doing our own stuff. We started wearing these little blast indicators all over. And what? They, yeah. So, cause uh, in the unit, there's a lot of like on the Vanguard stuff for the military it's not really vanguard for <laughs> where civilization's at all the time but uh it'll show green yellow red it's very simple right uh green whatever the blast was it was okay you know it, it's still a blast but uh, uh yellow is like Ooh, okay now we're getting into danger zones and red is possibility for concussion and uh, i was a sniper and uh, i shot 50 cal and the 50 cal every shot was enough to make it red i was a breacher every explosion that you couldn't tuck around, you mentioned about walls, uh, explosions travel, you know, they'll reverberate, ricochet off walls. Um, I don't know how many times I was in red and that's not to mention, that's with ear pro, you know, body armor, all the right situations. When you're overseas, uh, you may not have ear pro. And I remember doing uh, a fire mission in infantry on a mortar. It was just an alum mission. We were, yeah. we were able to handle it with small arms. Um, but it was charge four. So in, in the small 60 mil tube, you have four, you have the bomb that can do its own thing, but then you can put charges, right? And that's just, you probably know that pretty well. You guys probably use the 80 a bit, um, but it was a charge four, no ear pro. Uh, and it, you know, my earring has never been the same. Um, it's right in that sweet spot where I can't hear my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right where, uh, mine is for my husband and pretty much anybody in society right now. I just, oh, I can't hear it is that bad though. People don't understand. Um, what it's, what's really interesting that you stated, um, about the guy that's just collecting the data on the phone. 
you don't need to get into it, but I'll get into it a little bit because there is this understanding in Canada that we are very well looked after, after military service. And that's just not the truth. And I'm more than okay. Again, if you haven't heard, I'm very critical of our government and our, our VA system. I'm also critical of all of them, but I'm not just critical. I offer suggestions and improvements and not just bitch. I want progression and education. And I believe I have some tools to offer. So when somebody calls me and says, what did you do? He gets on the phone and he says, what were the, what were the, um, what were you exposed to? I said, well, if you can see my file, which is sitting in front of you, you can see I deployed. Well, what was your job? Well, I was an artillery gunner. When the other individual on the other end of the phone that's working for the government who will make the final decision on whether you'll get support or not goes to you, what's artillery? I really struggle with the idea that you're going to properly execute my paperwork and state what uh, Carl Gustav was beside my face and a mortar round and a small arm C7 versus a C6 versus an M777 or an M72. You're not going to know the difference. You're not going to be able to fill out that paperwork properly, which then leads me to think that there's no way I'm going to get support and which led to my denial, which we are now suing and fighting over because I can't hear shit. And if you're around me, I just yell. Everyone yeah, knows you're, she's you're yelling loud. Now, Kelsey. Yeah, you're yelling I'm allowed. No, I'm, a- I'm just kidding. I'm God just damn kidding. it. This no, is not the I, first I, time, I, Jeff. Um, no, I, I hear you. I, yeah. Do you hear me though, Jeff? <laughs> I literally. Uh-huh. But my point is, is it's an interesting process. And I wish I would have had that advice before, which was document, document everything every time. But on deployment, like you said, maybe because you guys were a little more planned, but when you're an artillery gunner, you don't, you don't know when your fire missions are going to come. And a lot of times it, it felt like at least for us, they were at night. And so you were dead asleep and you went out in whatever you were wearing. And that was it. There was no ear pro. There was no body armor. There's no helmets because the ear pro that we have don't fit under. We don't have cool, go fast helmets. We're not cool. Like you, Jeff. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't feel so cool about this stuff, though. I, I agree. One, I hope if COVID, and I know that's where where's COVID come from, has done anything to society, it has shown people the house of cards that we have built in mm-hmm. all aspects, all structures, all systems. That's what I meant by systems or shackles. Um, they're, they're not well thought out. They're not designed. They're not good algorithms for the long term. And what right. we're doing is we're just partaking in the insanity by going deeper and deeper and deeper. Now I'm not like some anarchist who wants to burn it all down. I agree with you. You know, there's some things we could do to really make it easy. Like, like you said about uh, educating Uh, we're working on some programs, which will um, arm people beforehand. So I don't know if in basic training, I would imagine you had some PTSD prevention stuff. Zero. I, I use this very, so he's doing quotations lightly. for those who are not watching. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's okay. If you're just listening, yeah, Jeff's doing quotations because PTSD training is something I've I've stated there needs to be better preventative tools given for individuals as they move along in their military career in case of deployment and so that they have the ability to recognize what's happening to them when they're if their leadership does not. Well, and it... I'm not going to give PTSD the, the credit of being like, oh, it's complex. It is, but we know TBI can lead to those symptoms. We know things like lack of sleep. We know uh, your character, your 
cognitive traits before, after, during, um, even down to the epigenetic level, they know all this stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. I know it because I read it from research papers and I experience it and it can be rebuilt, but they just really suck at it. We had a, a guy we worked with, he, uh, he was a high-end worked for a big bank in Canada, you know, like a million dollar a year salary kind of guy. He was really like Wolf of Wall Street, but not yeah. as big of a douche. Um, <laughs> but anyways, over the years, he got into drugs and alcohol and he burnt out, you know, high stress jobs will burn you out. Um, they'll either inflame you. That's why you see lots of people who work in um, high stress jobs that don't take care of their body, look red and inflamed. Inf inflammation is a sign that you're in overwhelm. Um, anyways, he went, he got a spec scan done. That's down in the US um, by a guy named Dr. Amon. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest fan of him, but I think his scans are highly invasive, but awesome in that they show, oh, calcification, deterioration, and using things like psychedelics, um, everything I kind of touched on, except all our gamut of things that we do in the SFB Collective, um, from the very scientific to the very esoteric, including stress, and fear. Um, a lot of people try to remove those from people's behavior when they're in a PTS, PTSD state. Um, anyways, those same tools though can be reverse engineered into very good preventative tools. So that's, that's one thing we are um, starting up, um, which is a charity, which will hopefully enable us to be on the front end of first responders. So I've worked with uh, like fire academies and police academies trying to get us in there, but they just don't have the budgets. Um, the fact is, is the medical budget in Canada is pretty tapped and, you know, these places, you know, they're making their money or whatever, but they're not <laughs> rolling in profit. They're not, they don't have, they want to implement this stuff. So anyways, we're hoping to bypass that uh, on that side with, through doing it charitably. Um, nice. cause we've worked now with a lot of people that are military, fire, police, paramedic. Um, and then for the corporate side, we also have another program, but on that side, it's not meant to be charitable. It's meant to be the corporations okay. need to invest in their people, you know? Right. Um, well, so what we're trying to do is, um, get a legislative legis legislation changed. There we so go. The corporation gets a tax break for implementing these kinds of things. You know, they know, they use words like, oh, mindfulness and all this. Like they kind of got an idea of what's going on, but they mm -hmm. don't know how to handle all the flux right now, right? Now with people working at home, that's gonna add a whole new level. Like they thought they weren't getting Different the profit thing. margins they wanted from people before. Now when people are at home, they're not gonna work as hard naturally. They just won't, you know, it's not their fault. Um, they're Except not gonna kids. be- the kids have I know kids. in Ontario they're talking about pulling kids back again I and know. not letting them go back mm -hmm. to school like that's a the psychological damage that does to not only employees but individuals around them because if they're not getting the productive numbers when they're left alone in their office what do you think they're going to be doing when their kids screaming at them and the house is a mess and groceries need to be bought and they've been locked down this is the problem when people make decisions out of a place of fear Fear forces and doesn't make good intelligence, holistic, long-term decisions. You know, the greatest good for the greatest amount of people over the greatest amount of time. The thing is, um, the antithesis, you know, making decisions from a place of love, I'll say, you know, a hormonally balanced, satiated mind that's not an overwhelm. Um, a lot of people think that that's not where you're going to find it, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be difficult. You know, like 
we, we can talk about all the issues we all want. If people aren't ready to every individual own up their own guilt and be like, hey, let's do this together, truly together. Because um, algorithmically, you know, if we tried to build up like a, like a Stephen Hawking, you know, theory of everything, we need everybody, right? Because you have your perspectives, your life experience and, and the life you're living. And I have mine, and, you know, and, and it'll involve difficult decisions, probably like population decline of some kind, you know, we got to like, why is it that the environment is on the brink of potential destruction? You know, a jury's out mm -hmm. in some ways, but we all know we're stressing mother nature. We can see it, you know, as we spread across the planet and we have yeah, no freeways because of it. I mean, we've been in, we've been flooded out now for over a month because we're seeing rain. Like we've never, we've never seen just like you're seeing hurricanes and tornadoes in places that, I mean, we had a hurt, we had a tornado here. What? We don't, I mean, you can't tell me that there is not some stress being put on that is very obvious to the naked eye. Anybody who's on, even uneducated individuals can understand that maybe it shouldn't be raining to that extent, or it shouldn't be a tornado smack in the middle of a city. Like this shouldn't, just shouldn't be things that are happening. Right. Right. And you know, guy is going to take care of herself, but there's very few places on earth, if any, that you can go and not be impacted by the decisions that I'll say people have made, you know, like almost everywhere you're going to be interfered with radio signals, cell signals. Uh, I've, planes fly over the North pole, like, Oh, there goes a plane, you know, when all its contrails and stuff like that. And I, I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy dude. I think it's just, as long as we continue to make decisions out of uh, fear-based decisions, you know, greed, mm -hmm. lack, need, want, um, we're going to continue to stress these things. Like, um, like the housing market thing, like we're about to redo what we just did. And it's like, how many times are we going to do this? Because they, they play to people's fears, you know, Oh, well, you can get a little bit more for your mortgage and stuff. And the thing is, I believe in my heart that we can do something. So not just on the Vanguard, but just out of the realm of what most people can actually think, including myself. It's not like I sit here and I think, Oh yeah, I know what it looked like, you know, and it's not utopian. Uh, believe me, if anyone looks up the process, which is you know, kind of our flagship program, it is not utopian. It's the complete opposite. It's it doesn't look it at all. No, no. <laughs> it's meant to induce trauma on your cells, your body, your mind. Um, because I truly believe that's, you know, that's where the edges of your character and your soul will be found, shaved down, um, where you get to visit your perspectives and revisit, you know, am I doing this right? And then we talked about altered states. Once that happens, oh, a new lens or a new perspective. Now, just, I do want to say, I never dictate what is right or wrong. Um, it's the, if there's one thing I, I guess not rack my brain because I, I don't rack my brain too much anymore, um, but I gently flow. Um, it's around that bound. What is right? What is wrong? You know, like what is perfection? You know, how do, how does humans play into that? Uh, if there's a God, if there's a plan for, you know, if there's some kind of something that binds the universe, you know, quantumly, mm -hmm. whatever. And so we don't dictate that, right. It's about per, per giving them that, that space to contemplate their own essence. Um, anyway, yeah, sorry, I digress a bit. Uh, kind of. I love this, Jeff, please keep talking. You're not, you're doing everything perfect. Perfect. Oh, sweet. 
Uh, well, I could use maybe a little punch or poke in the right direction. Oh yeah, back to nature. Okay. Um, See? Yeah, yeah. Well, here, you know what? I just happened, this is not even planned to have this here. Um, so there's a, an American author called Thoreau. Um, he, he's quite popular. He was around in the 1850s and this is just total coincidence, but he said that uh, there can be no very black melancholy to him who lives in the midst of nature and has his senses. Um, it, it just, it, it's true. You know, who doesn't have like deeply, you know, there's some people they'll step out into nature and they'll, you know, be attacked by flies and it'll be really shitty and raining and yeah, okay. Yeah. That can be stressful, but there's something really grounding, like energetically, truly grounding when you're in nature and, um, you know, absorbing those spores into your lungs, the, the healthy ones, you know, I'm down uh, in the desert right now. And there is this thing called desert fever. Um, you know, side-by-sides, utility, utility vehicles, kick up dust. My mother-in-law, she actually got sick with this. When it oh, rains wow. every now and then, which is very rare, um, but there's a mold that goes in the air and obviously those spores ain't so good. No, anyways, but, yeah, the, the whole point but, is just about that balance, but not able to escape mm-hmm. necessarily um, the kind of clutches of what we're creating and, um, I would just like to see us kind of put the brakes on kind of COVID style where it's like, okay, we got the brakes, but we plan it. We do it together. Um, instead of this, like, what is that called? Uh, not productive progress, you know, just, okay, we got to keep going. This is the only way, like that way only benefits a very few people. And I think mm-hmm. um, one of the really great byproducts of the internet and social media, you know, cause you know, obviously it's one of those scales. It's got, it's good. And it's mm-hmm. got, it's bad, of course, um, has educated people though. People are like, they're, they're more armed with information, but we have to be careful what you're arming your information. So I talk about an overwhelmed mind here. I'm going to go into it a little bit, um, in a gist, the way I look at it, an overwhelmed mind usually starts off something that induces some kind of stress that stress is on a continuum, right? There's like rate to a hundred fight or flight, jump out of the way of the bus. Ooh, that was close. Or there's kind of where you're using up your cortisol, your daily cortisol is a lot more kind of anxiety stress, right? It's, it's more prolonged and it's not always good. It's one of our gifts and our curses, right? We can see the future. Like I can not see the future, but I can plan to be in the future. Therefore Mm -hmm. I have work projects that stress me out or I, I can, I know into the future that maybe, you know, I I won't have food or whatever the little things that stress people out. Right. But both of those, what they do is they put your mind into overwhelm and that starts to shift your attention centers, things like your reticulated activating system and your thalamus. It'll slowly start programming those deeper. If we're looking at this, like as a triune brain, so kind of impulses brainstem, then we'll call it the emotional layer up to maybe the basal ganglia, and then we have the upper cerebral cortex. And of course, just got to say this, this is all ish because when it comes to the brain, we don't know. There's studies done from lesions that show one thing, and then there's scans that show one thing. And then what they do is they statistically amalgamate that. And they're like, okay, this is the likely root of Mm -hmm. this type of memory or, you know, this or that, or this action. So it's, it's ish, Um, but there are these centers. It's not going to, I could use the red Jeep example, right? You're about to buy a red Jeep. Everyone's heard it. And all of a sudden there's red Jeeps everywhere because you're starting to uh, tune your attention. 
what's happening right now is a lot of people are tuning their attention to shit, just garbage. Um, I'll call it the news and I'm going to blanket that term. Um, it is feeding your attention. It doesn't matter if you sit up and I won't name any like stations and you're watching it and you're like, well, you know what? I'm a resilient mind. Well, the fact is you're only perceiving like a small percentage of what's bombarding your brain and your right. brain is like doing its thing, storing, not storing. Anyhow, we're in overwhelm. Attention starts to spark up. Slowly, what attention does is it starts to shift your perception, the emotional um, charge that goes through. So emotions beyond our impulse, you know, fight, flight, freeze, all that kind of stuff, breathe, thermal regulate, all those impulse things that really simple life low consciousness life no i don't like using that word because it could be high consciousness but you know low thought at least we layer on the next yeah. level emotions um and a few other things that exist there but anyways what happens is it starts feeding the system back down before it goes up to rational thought okay and it keeps it compressed and the more in overwhelm you are the less you could think no one is going to argue that when they're in a fight flight or free state that they were thinking they're only reacting well, now you're kind of thinking, but you're mostly reacting, but you don't know that you're actually reacting. You think you're thinking. And what that'll do is that'll start shaping what I lump together as thoughts, your beliefs, your values, those things that you kind of rationally. You think you're rock solid. You think they're rock solid and they're rational and that, that you've thought them through and they make uh, sense. Make That's the, not make, the truth. Exactly. You know, like language makes up a big portion of our uh, neurological reality and the issue is now is a lot of before it even gets to those thoughts it's being filtered these other ways you know so the brain has already done filtering the impulse and emotions how you're and remember the way one of the ways that emotions works is if i'm in overwhelm it's going to start to give me biofeedbacks it's going to start uh, uh in reinforcing its point of view I'm in danger. I'm in danger. That's danger. That's danger. Even if it's not danger, that's human beings project a huge amount of shit, you know, and life, I, I mentioned the term augmented survival earlier. There's a bit of an illusion that goes through society right now um, that we, we don't really need. So what happened is it, it's a, it wasn't done on purpose. It was done by accident. But somewhere in the 1900s, after World War II, most of our needs, our physiological needs are met. Very seldom is our physiological needs not met. It was abundantly obvious with COVID when everyone went and bought toilet paper. They weren't, they were so not used to like, for me, it was like, oh, I'm going to grab my gun. I'll be good to go. You know, I got my camping gear. I got my close social network. Um, I, I don't need that. I can, but people didn't know because they haven't really stressed them. Um, anyways, th this pattern, we'll say it's going clockwise, okay? Attention, perception, thoughts, beliefs, values. So now you're sitting around, potentially you're like, okay, I'm in control here. I'm, I'm actually choosing what I'm watching on Netflix, okay? I'm and what you're doing is you're feeding that system back into itself, okay? Um, it's very obvious when people start to isolate themselves, you know, like it gets, it's obvious when it gets to like PTS, PTSD, or um, other mental disorders, DSM disorders, that, oh, something's off, you know, but there's this sweet spot where it looks like things are going really good, but people aren't thriving. They're in this augmented survival, you know, they're like, oh, you need to buy this and you got to get this, you got to do like all these weird things that 
have nothing to do with our needs, you know, mm-hmm. but what's happening is this overwhelm, this feedback loop is telling us that that's what we want. And then we pressure it back down. I mentioned courage because at one point in time, I'm going to ask some people potentially through the doc. I don't know what it's going to look like to be courageous. And what that mm-hmm. means is stopping truly deeply contemplating your value set and that means so much more than it sounds because the deeper you contemplate literally they're showing that epigenetically you're changing your dna so you inherited epigenetic effects on your dna that present through phenotypes and how you interact with your environment we all do Um, a great example there's there's a couple good ones in canada there was the ice storms in quebec and mm-hmm. there was pregnant moms and they got very stressed during the ice storms. And the, this is Dr. Moshe. He's a Canadian guy. Um, very stressed. And they literally changed their epigenetics. So epigenetics on DNA isn't actually changing your DNA. It's changing the control elements that attach to it, how they methylate, and then the constriction levels of it. The more constricted it is, the less it has the ability to adapt. And of course, you know, there could be some epigeneticists listening, being like, well... And I agree, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, we're talking about quantum level processes. So it's complex. Anyhow, they actually passed on stress to their kids. So their, their, their kids, not all, most um, were more paranoid. They were naturally more paranoid. It happened with, uh, with the Jewish folks after the Holocaust, Mm -hmm. they, they went through something so stressful that their epigenetics changed in order for them to adapt to the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all of them, because we have uh, whoever, oh man, the guy who died, but he uh, he kind of pioneered meaning, you know, the, the search for patterns. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I guarantee there's some listeners who know it is. I wish I could know. Because he, he was okay, right? And that's what we're trying to take right now with the art of adversity is what are all the things that instead of turning someone and pushing them into stress, which is not necessarily a downward spiral of doom just means your stress, you know, and how do you catalyze that? How do you move out of that overwhelm cycle and, you know, turn it into growth? How do I um, enrich my relationships, enrich myself? How do I move through the body in more alignment, more efficiency? You know, how do I feel better? How do I bring more love into the world? Um, and that's, that's the key. And that's where I was talking about courage. At some point you have to turn, you have to really for once be like, these are my ideals. I actually chose them. Not the news, not TV, not my parents, not my DNA. This is actually where I feel aligned. And it's not like you uh, finish up dinner, sit down and write out your five values and you got them. You have to deeply Mm -hmm. look inwards. Um, People use the term meditation sometimes. I like to use three terms for that for different uh, waveforms in your brain. You know, you may have heard of alpha, beta, Mm -hmm. delta, theta, and gamma waves. Well, your brain fires those at different times in different places. It's not like one state. Um, Concentration levels are like a highly active prefrontal cortex. And then some other places, it's usually in the beta, um, but not always. And this is again, semantic. But the idea there is that you're focused, literally focused. You and I are pretty focused right now. Even Mm -hmm. though you're a digital representation of yourself, I'm still looking in your eyes. I'm pretty focused on what we're doing. And then there's meditation where you try to drop, even some people can go past theta into delta, almost like a sleep wave pattern, but really calming. And the idea of meditation to me is to really 
clear and calm your nervous system. Uh, what is it? Your vagus vagal nerve um, yep. to calm it down, right? That, that weird little entity that exists back there. Mm-hmm. And then contemplation is somewhere in between. You kind of go alpha, beta, down to theta, and you're playing with thoughts and you're seeing, okay, how does that emotionally react with me? How does that make my impulse, my nervous, low nervous system feel? And you, and you do that and you come back and forth and you go back and forth. And, and one of the tools is altered states of consciousness because um, I, I like to call it stemming your stream of consciousness. That's what I, it, it has no term. Uh, some people might call it shutting down your default mode network, a whole band mm-hmm. of wiring, like, cause we have these different mode networks in our brains and you stop it. And it, it happens to me too. Like I'm, I'm no stranger. The last few months have been, I'm not a documentarian. I can't even say it, you know, but I just <laughs> believe so deeply our team, um, myself, my wife, Luke Montgomery, a brilliant videographer. We believe in the concept and it's time, you know, like uh, human beings, we're doing our, a good thing. We're, we're raising awareness to the stress disorders. Okay? Right. But right now we're kind of caught in this, what we call trauma porn cycle where yep. you're going to feed back, right? Misery loves company. Grandma knew that a long time ago. So it's going to feed into that system. But now we got to stop, be courageous, look back and reassess here um, right. from a different point of view. And part of that, as I said about values, I know I get there eventually. <laughs> uh, what your values do is what I think is the actual hero. Now you're going through the overwhelm cycle the other way. So you're like, this is, I'm going to do my contemplation meditations. I'm going to have mentors. I'm going to seek and learn, and I'm going to build these up. And this is what I'm going to use as my kind of legend, my template for my quest. And what it does, if you do that right, it'll start to shape that perception. You'll learn to control your emotions better. There's obviously a ton to this, but what happens is those attention centers will turn and uh, lots of, in the spiritual community, you hear the word like abundance a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of it though. What happens is you've actually reassessed your values. You're like, well, I, I value time. Like truly value, like how much does it cost to buy back one, one second of time? Right. You know, like different for every person work. and every individual, right? I think time to some people who have been feeding into garbage and are unhealthy and emotionally intelligent. I think time doesn't necessarily hold the same amount of weight from a perception, people who have been through traumatic incidents or tested themselves or pushed them or have lost people, there is a different meaning to time. Or if you are an owner of a company and you're juggling multiple different aspects of your life, time means something completely different, I find, across the board. Well, that, that So I mentioned about the truth sphere, right? You have your mm-hmm. own. You have your collection of your wisdom, your life experiences, all the veils, perceptions, everything that you've done, experienced, inherited, and I have mine. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people's, right? And we, and we share those and we interact. We're like a matrix of cells bumping around. And at that time, yeah, you might, you're 100% right. That person might not value time the same way. But if you actually sit down and start with the values, and then what happens is you can start being like, oh, that's not in my value set. Mm. and you either reassess the value and be like, you know what? I just didn't think about that long enough, which happens. These will change over your life. You know, as you grow and hormonally change, as your environment around you changes, as society changes, they'll most likely change. 
or at least evolve. Um, or you're like, no, that's not part of my value set. I'm not going to allow it to hijack my attention and shift my perceptions. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to change that. And that's what happens. That's what the hero does. He goes into the underworld or she goes into the underworld, the heroine on purpose. That's where courage is. Um, it's, I, I know it's all kind of a little bit esoteric and convoluted, but I know um, that if we look at the perennial truths, you know, if you read ancient texts or whatever, you see like, there's always the threads that transcend from as far back as we can look in history to now. Mm -hmm. And those all, it, that seems to be where it's falling in. Um, of course, um, lots of this is still experimental. Lots of it is us still gathering our research and data. And uh, it's a two-way conversation. You know, like I said, I'll never say I know anything. I don't, you know, there are no absolutes and I don't know, you know, that, that that's not a cop-out. It's just, I'm okay with that. I think, I think the differences between you though, Jeff, and many other individuals is they've never taken the time or even in all of their lifetime to sit down and question their beliefs, even for one second or pause in the moment and sit back and understand or look at why are my values what they are. That it's very rare you're going to get an individual that's jumped into the depths of their own soul. And I mean, you and I both know what that means when I say the depths, I mean, the, the dark, the, like, like you said, the shadows, it's very rare that you're going to have individuals that take that amount of time outside of their regular nine to five family, just going through the motions of life is what it feels like when I see so many individuals in society right now, it feels like they're going through this fear-based emotional cycle that they can't get off this ride. They cannot get off. It's the the same conversations just on a different day. It's the drop the kid off. Hey, how are you doing? Great. You good. There's the motion. It went through a motion. There was no actual care there. There was no actual curiosity there. There was no actual, is that my belief and my beliefs are you say hi to everyone. You genuinely ask them how they're doing and you're there for their response and you're connected to them and you give them that moment of connectivity. That's, that doesn't happen. There is just, I think it, it comes down to the way that we teach our children in the school systems we have and the importance we lay on certain classroom activities, topics, and, and the way that we teach our children emotional intelligence goes to the inability that we're seeing with the generation coming up. I mean, I see it with my child. There's a difference between him and some other children in his school. The difference isn't that he's way more intelligent or that he is really good at sports and they're not. The difference is you can see the individual who understands his feelings. He understands when somebody hurts him, why that affects him, how that affects him and causes what that causes. How do I word this? He understands that if somebody pushed him, it makes him upset. He understands that he's upset because somebody put hands on him that he didn't want. He's upset not because they pushed him. He's upset because they invaded his personal space after permission was not given. He understands the emotional intelligence behind why he feels the way he feels instead of becoming reactive and angry. So there's plenty of children who are fed very unhealthy foods, which have additives, which cause chemical imbalances in their little itty bitty brains that then allow their brains to be mapped and their neurons to be mapped in that way, because they've only ever been fed garbage, sugars, carbs, these processed materials. And then we expect these children to grow up and be able to sit down and talk about their brain and understand their feelings. And I think we're asking way too much the way that we currently raise our generation. I think this is, has to be 
new taught behavior that's going to take people like you to come out with, I would say manuals, but ways for people to better themselves. And fortunately, because of the process, it seems like you've got individuals willing to take that step. And I'm hopeful that those are parents that are then going to pass that knowledge and information on to the younger youth, because frankly, right now, as much as I am an optimistic individual, I do struggle with the generation, my son's generation coming up and seeing the well, they're just ill-equipped across the board. Yeah. And right now, like you said, he's five. Yeah. He's five now. Yeah. The ripple that we have just that in that level of instability, that ripple that we have just created on a societal level to do what I'm not hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I, I don't even, I don't want to go down that road. You know, I could tell yeah. you all kinds of sub stories. I could tell you all this and, and I don't want to do that, but the, you're not wrong. The ripple, the, the atomic ripple, the, the sociological, psychological ripple that that'll cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad the little dude's aware enough. And that's, that's the secret right now. He can react to that situation. He could still be like, it's time to punch this fella in the face. Or it's yeah. like, you know what? No, I'll go see the teacher or, okay. Maybe he's going to get to the point where he's like, well, that guy, He's in a broken home. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't slept. You know, um, the, the fact that humans, we know all this as a society. Why mm-hmm. isn't it like we haven't, like, I get it. I think back to high school and I'm like, okay, I believe in education. I just fucking hate our system. Yes. Um, our system that we're not, not we're right. not 180 this, you know, like this anyways. Um, I'm, I'm no, glad it's to important. hear that. I, I, no, well, thank you. And I, I, I don't bring it up to, to bring a negative weight to it. I, I bring it up because it's a, real thing. And and honestly, a lot of the listeners, uh, they ask questions like this. I didn't think this way, or I didn't understand this was going on in the world. How do I talk to my family about this? The amount of individuals that message us and say, how do I explain COVID to my kid? How do I explain why he's feeling this way when he feels anxious or when he sees another kid on the playground? Like, for example, my son is the kid that in a hundred yards, he could see one, pick out one kid that's crying. If there's one that's crying, he'll find them. He'll run over. He'll hug them immediately and ask, are you okay? When the children's response in the full 25 degree heat with a mask on at the age of four pushes his hands towards my son and say, don't touch me. You're going to get me sick. We are outside in the woods. And the child's response, who was four years old, says, do not touch me. You're going to get me sick. Stay away. You can't tell me that there is not long-term repercussions. And I say to these parents on a regular basis, may God have mercy on your bank account because that kid is going to be in therapy for the rest of its fucking existence because you've predisposed that child to such anxiety and paranoia. You have no idea what is coming. I'm not even a therapist, but I've been in therapy long enough to understand that that yeah you know here's the deal kelsey we're all qualified to be human right and like i i I get what you're saying about i'm not a therapist because i do that all the time i'm like well i'm not this you know i i'm not that because i'm not i'm I'm a high school dropout i have no college degree you know um hey me too buddy i mean i finished (laughs) high school but no college degree here tried failed (laughs) that zero to seven for children is so important, you know, like, but we've set up a system where parents can't even really be parents anymore. You know, they got to do this. They got to do that. Like it's, it's, uh, 
but it the key um, is to start looking at you know i'll go back to super simple um, because that's that's where it starts if people are going to start a true inward journey um, mm-hmm. which is ultimately about everyone go to the maslow's hierarchy needs yeah and look be like is my food good no it is not whole it is not organic it doesn't have b vitamins because it's not grown in bacterial soils it's, it's fucking shit how about the air i'm breathing one what's the quality of it two check your breathing if it's really shallow you're in overwhelm if it's calm and slow how do you talk you know sometimes i, I talk fast but if you really look okay am i in overwhelm all the time am i like you know um so check, just how- <laughs> check your breath right if you can't thermodynamically regulate you know you're hot you're cold you're not hot are you inflamed? Are you, you know, puffy? Are you showing signs of your body? Your, you know, your space meat suit, is it sick or not? <laughs> then you're probably in overwhelm or you're out of alignment. And then go up the list. Understand, you said it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, you it really mentioned is. about him not um, because I think it's simple. I don't think it's complicated. That's the thing. Human beings like to convolute, but it's not complicated. We come into the world knowing how to be human in a lot of ways we got a lot to figure out for sure um but when he goes and tries to give a hug and it's pushed away listen people one covid it ain't so bad you know uh jess and i both had the delta variant uh yes people are gonna die that's what people do that's the only thing anyone is ever gonna do if you come into this world never take a breath that's all you're gonna do you're you know? going to die it's, it's 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 written in the rule of law yeah, it's a function of life and it's actually a really beautiful function. And I think if people explore it, um, allow themselves open their beliefs and values, but so love, you know, what is love in your community? Cause you said it like, there's this weird thing we do where we walk, there's seven and a half or whatever billion people on earth and people feel alone. How is that possible? Absolutely. How is that possible? Well, it's cause of fear, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, now kids are pushing kids away. It is the, the whole um, cure to COVID mm-hmm. is like a ter- It's the worst psychological warfare that mankind has ever done. Don't let, let anyone ever fool you. It is the worst. It's worse than, you know, what the Koreans did in POW camps with the, you know, not to like downplay the Holocaust, but this is massive and it this is, is a mass global. Scale. Um, so if someone's doing it on purpose, you know, kind of fuck you. Like, if you think this is for the greater good, you should have let us know. And we should have went in as a team. If this is just people's reaction, um, it's bad. And I know for you and I, like, because we're Canadian, uh, maybe like Americans listening won't have the same reaction. Because I also spent time down in Arizona during COVID. And it was Mm -hmm. very different, you know, like there was so different. Yeah, like there was the, you know, the moments of panic, like I do remember early on, like, the grocery store, like we talked about kind of jokingly, but super serious about the toilet paper, you know, um, but it, it definitely, I, I commend the governors mostly, I guess. I don't really know American politics, but for being like, no, this is ridiculous. You know, yeah, like, like let's settle down here. Let's see the uh, greater good because in Canada and you haven't been here the whole time, but I've been fortunate enough to have business in the States like you And so that has allowed and afforded me the opportunities throughout while everyone was having panic attacks about leaving their home to go to the grocery store or wiping their groceries off and letting them sit outside for three days before they bring them in the house. I was hopping on planes down to Washington and Texas and in all of these places. And what Canada has done a really 
I would, depending on who you're looking at it from, because like, I mean, not conspiracy at all, but I mean, there's individuals that you and I have access to that we can have deep conversations about why this happened, who let this happen, what the plans were behind this and the obvious nature. If you look at it from a civilian standpoint and you look at it from the world is just getting sick and I'm afraid and I actually only information I do have is from the news and the, the mainstream media, of course, they're going to be absolutely horrified of this. But that being said, over the past 18 months, we have grown and learned to see what this is, and we are not acting appropriately. We are continuing to allow the fear-based hate to grow across our country. Canada, in particular, has been, by and large, one of the worst actors in this mental health shit show we call COVID. And we have allowed Canadians to suffer on a well, we're, we're arguably in the same path as Australia. The only difference is people haven't started the camps like Australia has had happen yet. We do know that we have allowed overreach. We have allowed the damage to our youth to become a two-year process instead of, you know, a couple week process in which it could have been. And we have done it so, um, I consider disrespectfully to our own society and allowing a federal government to make rules and laws overnight and pass them in provinces with allowing Ontario to be fully locked down, kids not in school, cops can't go to work, the whole gamut to Alberta or British Columbia, who we lost, we didn't have masks for a while, while Ontario was still in full lockdown when individuals and family members couldn't go buy tampons because they weren't considered essential services, but they, but other things like alcohol were considered essential. So there, you know, there's plenty of things that Canada has done a very poor job at while COVID happened. We, we completely disavowed and left any Canadian overseas. I was active in the August pullout from Vancouver. I, we, you and I spoke, we were trying that long ago to try to get this podcast. Fortunately, I was successful in moving individuals, not due to our government, actually in the opposite of our government. I was using every other country, but ours. And when the phone calls were made and I got the information I got and found out that there was only two individuals processing all of the IRCC paperwork for every Afghan Canadian, every single one, there was two people on that email address. We chose to do an election. And when the election happened, the media called me and said, how do you feel about Afghanistan? We are doing a story on how Afghan, Af uh, Afghanistan veterans, how angry they are right now. He says, so you're choosing to focus on the anger, but we're not choosing to focus on the fact that we're abandoning individuals, we're causing crisis when we don't need to, and we're not responding with proper leadership. And I would receive a phone call the next day, canceling the interview, stating, and I quote, our current sitting prime minister's office has asked all media to no longer speak about Afghanistan for the remainder of our election. So it doesn't shock me the way that Canada has responded during a traumatic event. We, our leadership is not properly scaling back, looking at what's truly happening, and then also looking at the repercussions and long-term damage to our youth. It's not important.
80 years old and above are important, but that is it. That is Canada right now. When you fly to Texas, there is no masks. You live your life. Small businesses continue to run. Children go to school and socialize as they should be. They are not meant to wear masks at five years old like they are in British Columbia and Alberta and Ontario. There's kids wearing masks as young as two. The damage that is being done from the facial expressions alone, there's new research that's just been put out, two articles. Um, I'll find them and link them to this. But there is now two ones from Yale. And it is about children's damage, the damage that the masks have done cognitively and what it has done to the children that were born right before COVID to now, because everybody in society, including their parents, have been wearing masks. So they don't know how to read facial expressions, which means when a child falls, they look to the parent to go, am I okay? That's the first thing they do. They don't just start crying unless it's really bad. They look to an adult and go, what's your face saying? Tell me what your face is saying, because I don't know what my face should do in this situation. Well, when you cover three quarters of the face, the kids don't know how to react. They don't know, they don't understand what's bad and what's good and how they should feel about it. And so that's why I'm so critical of what we are doing because there's no need for it any longer. Rant yeah. over. No, no, that's good. That's good. It's, I take a more kind of quiet indignation route to this one, but I, I'm, I'm starting to get to the point where it's like, yeah, it's it's time to kind of mobilize and act a little bit more on my part you know what i mean like there's so mm -hmm. many little pockets of people like in the u.s there's a huge exodus of people leaving the corporate world to yeah. to do their own thing there's like the millennials have been pushing at it for a while they're, they're like okay i gotta work every day okay this doesn't add up i, I didn't but know like, that's why what was, yeah why <laughs> yeah. was i born like you know and there's one thing about upholding society and the infrastructures that we choose um, but I just, you, you touched on a couple of really key things there, uh, which I'll repeat Please because I think, apart. but attention and focus. So I mentioned about the overwhelm cycle, what attention is, is your kind of unconscious ability to filter information. And then focus is where you push it. Right. I talked about the top down with beliefs. That's where you focus, um, and you choosing. And then you mentioned how kids and facial patterns, you know, when three quarters of your face, not to mention the weird effects of like stifling and breathing in more carbon dioxide and like all that kind of stuff, like not to mention, but basically that's what's happening to society right now. Right now society, most of it is three quarters covered. You know, what you get from the government, what you get from uh, big, not all big corporations. I don't want to like make them all sound like shit. Um, but I, I do believe the construct is highly flawed. That's what's happening is people are getting three quarters of what's coming through. Um, and, you know, I don't know where the, like on one hand, I think of like a Shakespeare quote, you know, let me embrace thee, sour adversity for wise men say it is the wisest course. So there's one thing to be like, okay, you got to get through this tough time. But the question you should be asking, okay, why? And what am I going to do on the other end? And if all of this is like putting me into a place where I don't feel love, if I don't feel of service to humanity or whole, if I don't feel like I'm raising my kids, right? Like I couldn't imagine. And it's, and, and I'm not pointing at you. I'm sorry. I'm right here. But, point at me. No, no. But you're in a position where, right. you know, you're forced to intermingle with these challenges. And I, I don't, uh, 
I don't, uh, whatever the word is. Don't envy that position. I don't envy that position. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's different. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, we were trying, but we haven't, um, been able to have kids, but anyways, just a mess. And that's what I mean. It's time. Yeah. To together hoist aboard this this thing this solution whatever it looks like because that's what happens so there that, that's a good point in, in psychology you know you mentioned about therapists lots of therapy especially cbt is about talking about the trauma well if you talk about it, if i say something out loud just the mechanical sound waves going back into my head will reinforce that thought pattern like 60 percent or something like that just saying it once yeah so if i keep reinforcing trauma keep spitting out garbage you know like because now you and i are kind of forced to do it because that's our society we don't have a society where we're, we we it's a little bit more challenging to find the goody bits which are there you know there's great mm-hmm. people there's great things it's a beautiful world um but it kind of like we have to talk about these things um and now we just got to figure out what how to stop it a little yeah. stop reinforcing that and then what do we want to to put back into that system um because i think of um how does it go um oh i mentioned thoreau earlier he has a line in a book that says uh, men he, so he's from the 1850s ladies so um, <laughs> he's he's still a little behind on the times <laughs> um men tend to hit the target that they aim for so I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, I believe, you know, that mm-hmm. if we don't aim at nothing, we don't hit nothing. And then this, it's like a paradoxical, that's, that's the thing. That's what it all comes down to, duality of human thinking. Everything that is truth is a paradox. It's not simple. That's where science fails us. Science has trouble with paradox because it's much more complex, right? You can't just reduce everything down to like, oh yeah, that's why. No, yeah. that's not why. It, it's, it's, it's a massive spectrum and it's very difficult and that's the thing. So choose where you want to focus that attention. Don't let anybody, anybody take your attention unless you want it there. You know, listen to good podcasts such as this. Um, oh, thanks. Certain books. Well, yeah, but even like, pe- like some people will make blanket statements. Well, I got to read 10 books a month. Well, think about the amount that you're changing your brain by reading a book you might not want to read, you know, and it doesn't mean don't go out of your comfort zone to read, you know, you won't want to reinforce your patterns, but really, okay, where am I putting this effort, this attention, this secret little nug that um, has some really massive ramifications, but some really beautiful impact. Um, yeah. I just, I think your perspective is uh, really refreshing, especially for individuals that are going to be listening because you break things down in such a digestible way that people who haven't experienced trauma or haven't experienced that little bit of pressure, that little bit of space, that movement in their comfortability, whether it's up or down, they can understand this. You know, you, you, you gave them a pretty basic understanding of very complex issues that help you with selection, but also just help you in general life. Like you kind of gave a bit of a life hack here, my friend. And I think it's a pathway for a lot of individuals that might not have fully understood what it means to stress the the body, the mind, and the soul and becoming, you know, a deep seeker for within yourself, but 
knowing that if you do things like that and you put time into things that are beneficial, that are educational, that are useful, and don't just reinforce patterns and thoughts, you will actually be able to give humanity a little bit better version of yourself, which could have a ripple effect, not only with your children, but those that you expose yourself to, those that you're in the workplace with, those that are you are just our friends and family with. Because right now, what it feels like is we're all in this echo chamber and we have to break out of it. This can't be the way we continue on with society. It's not only unhealthy, it's frankly damaging on a long term. And, and we, we won't understand the full repercussions for years to come. But the fact of the matter is we are starting to now. And so it's our choice and our decision how we choose to move forward now. I had somebody bring that up to me. I posted something on social media. I've started to become more vocal just due to the fact that Number one, I talk a lot, but two, I'm starting to put my weight behind things that matter. I think not only to me deeply, but, and I mean, not reverberation of other individuals, thoughts and feelings, but what really matters, what really matters to me? What do I want to be putting out? Who do I want to be talking to? What influence do I want to have on individuals who take the time to listen to me? And it's about changing, not changing people per se, but maybe just cracking that door open a little bit. And as I've become more vocal, I've had individuals who are like-minded, go fast people like yourself who say to me, it's about time. It's about time you are saying something because no one else is saying anything in your area. Why aren't people saying more? Why aren't people bringing this up? And I think there's a, there's a bit of fear baked into that. I think there's this ideal that if you just aren't on the right side of something or what they think is the right side of something right now, you, you're an idiot for lack of a better example. You, you must not be smart enough to fully understand and grasp the situation in which the world is at right now. But no, I'd argue I'm the opposite. I grasp it to the best extent I can, but I also spend time educating myself with healthy podcasts, healthy books, individuals who have something positive to say, but not just sit there and complain. And I also don't just, I can't have conversation. I'm not sure about you, but when you were in the JTF too, and when you got out and you started the process and, and this, you know, the selection and then doing um, post-traumatic growth, did you find it difficult at all to have regular conversation just in passing with individuals in terms of topics? Well, um, make all these notes and I'm like, oh, I want to touch on that, touch on that, touch on that, touch on that. And then, you know, it goes to the question. Um, so I know I'm a horrible host. No, no, it's great. <laughs> that's, that's what people want, right? We're here to have a conversation, not a scripted um, thing of a jiggy. So yes, I know some of that is, um, I spent a lot of time in the military. I spent a lot of time with my focus and attention towards something, um, some kind of, you know, the special forces, the military, that like very much steeped in that. The military, something people like don't really know or fully grasp is like, you know, they'll watch the movies 300 and they'll be like, wow, those Spartans really train their people. Like human beings now are more conditioned than ever. And the militaries of the world are better at conditioning than they've ever been. 
people don't really fully grasp that. It's, it's way better. It's way more scientific. It's way more precise. It's had thousands of years of baking and rebaking and trying new stuff. It's really good. So when you leave, um, bam, that cord is severed. And now you're completely rebuilding a whole identity. You have whatever the trillions of neurons or whatever have been firing, have been working together in this one bubble. Like, the, like obviously you still had friends outside the military and family and stuff, but the military is quite the bubble. Um, yeah. And it tells you, this is where you go and this is where you go and this is what you're going to do. It literally gives you your missions, right? It literally, depending on the level, sometimes it's like, here's your house, here's your clothes. Here's yes. what you're going to do, you know? Okay. I, it's nice that you don't have to think about it. Um, but once you're done now, you're like, okay, I got to think about all these things that I got to do a little bit more like it. And obviously that varies, right? If you have a family, you live off base, you know, you can have deeper detachments and stuff like that, but still the, the overall objective is not theirs anymore. Now you have this whole ideality that is you, you've moved it into a whole new environment, which is filled with people who aren't these people that share a similar identity. So yeah, hundred percent. Now I, this could ruffle feathers or not, but I left a tier one unit. That's any echelon in humanity that you climb and you, it gets harder and harder to get to the top. Once you get to the top, you're going to get, that's, that's where the cream hangs out, you know? Um, so there was that, there was uh, you call them go fasters, uh, people who have that same, and this is not everybody, but like a growth minded aspect to life where mm -hmm. they're hungry to learn and absorb and, and they're like ready to do things. And they, they, they want to do for themselves, but do for others. And to find, you know, and Joe Bloggins and Jane Bloggins kicking about the street, someone who's like really into service or even an entrepreneurial mindset, you know, mm -hmm. being an entrepreneurial mindset is it's kind of like a, an SF mindset of the business world. You know, you got to go out, you got to be a jack of all trades. You got to work your ass off. You're your own marketer, your salesperson, your podcaster, you know, mom, all the things, you know, like, um, so yes, it can be difficult, um, to have a different conversation. I find it very difficult. I was out getting some tires change on my truck and the, the lady behind the counter, a lady, she was, she was like 25. I don't even know what the politically Small child. <laughs> she was I'm just about, I was about to say interacting with me. And I was like, that's so robotic sounding. She was trying that's to talk so to me. robotic. Are you Lex Friedman right well, now? Well, no, I'm an INTJ. Um, oh, like, I don't want to like identify with one aspect of something like MBTI. I'm much more than that, but I do have traits from that. So I'm very like, eh, eh, eh. Um, <laughs> and I was like, she was saying something. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, I'm trying to make small talk. And I was like, mind blowing. But there's a couple of things there. What are you there. doing? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I was like, so that, that was one of those complications. But that also goes into, um, I'm not really a good small talker. Um, so my way of communicating, this is the point, is just different. And that can add to the complexity of it too, right? Like, I, I know yeah. you weren't saying it was, I left and, and therefore it's hard, but it just all those dynamics. And that's why you want to raise that EQ. You know, right. if I uh, was a little higher uh, self-monitor, I'd probably be like, oh, it makes sense that she's just trying to chew the fat here. You know, what's the weather about and stuff. And, but, you know, 
where my head is, it's like, okay, well, tell me your thoughts on God, you know, and like, how do we fix these social dilemmas? And, you know, what the guys, that's what happens, right? It's, it's the relativity of attributes. You right. don't know what you don't know. And you definitely don't know what you haven't experienced and you haven't embodied those ideas, right? So the more you experience, the more you can take it and then you can hone it and you can think about it. And, and then you keep doing that, right? Um, you've built context and perception on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you do that more and more, especially the go faster style, you know, you get to a point where you're like, okay, you know, where is it? What's next? You know, who is, okay, what are, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, it doesn't always happen. So yeah, that, that, but that was a, uh, I did a, you mentioned about the news and stuff. I went on, I think it was global news and they were talking about vets leaving. And to be honest, I just kind of, I made a decision early on that I was like, this isn't my fight. Um, I have a program mm-hmm. called the trials that I allow vets in for free. Um, it's about building identity and discovering who you are as they transition out. But by and large, I'm like, this isn't where my, my, my duel is. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I have my own objectives and agenda. Um, but it was on that, that identity and you know, finding it, finding that conversation. How do you have it? That's like where I think, again, I'll give some military advice before you leave, find those things out. Cause there is some programs, you know, that, that are out there. I'm not going to pretend like there isn't, um, compared to a third world country, something like Canada is doing pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, how do you access them? If you got like corporal Jane there, who's only there for one year, she's not going to have your total best interests. It's not her right. fault. She's there for a year and then she's posted somewhere else. She's not going to know all the ins and outs. So really educate yourself on that. Cause you deserve it, um, on the other end of service. And uh, you don't want to carry around that crippling. Um, I did. I, I did want to touch on one thing okay. that you mentioned earlier um, to kind of circle back. You mentioned like you know people are kind of trudging forward all over. Like, what's the definition of insanity? What's the kind of colloquial? Oh, term? continue. What is it? Is, is uh, doing uh, doing the same thing and expecting a, a different, different result? result over and over and over now animals do that you know their consciousness is lower so it's a little more expected but we're human beings you know as we know so far and i hope there is aliens and other things that'll teach us amazing there's things. there's gotta be something better than us man <laughs> you know but but we're still pretty like we're lean mean problem solving machines you know i i consider women the pinnacle of god's creations you know just amazing yeah we make humans we're that fucking like we are aliens <laughs> yeah yeah that's why yeah. our humanity changes and our we can also rip your face off if you go near our tiny creation like we we are the aliens people just haven't tapped into that yet so I, I, you know, like I said, yep, secrets out. Thank you for sharing it. Welcome. Um, but I, I definitely honor that. But I just like it's hard to see that insanity, and that's kind of what's happening a lot. I talk to so many people who are like, yeah, I, 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 I'm shocked at the amount of people that hate their lives. You know? Oh, I know. Like, don't like what they're doing, and then I'm like, okay, well, what do you do? What do you do? And it's like, why do you keep doing it? Why do you keep doing it? It's because they get trapped and overwhelmed. They reinforce the behaviors. It becomes this really difficult rut to break. So here, mm-hmm. I'm going to give the easiest solution. All right. Um, I mentioned P plus E equals B. I keep it nice and simple because that's what humanity needs a little bit more of, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's very hard to biohack and change how your brain works. It's very hard. It takes a long time, but you can easily, um, and you know, okay, I get it. If you're someone who lives in a ghetto, it's a little tougher, but change your environment. 
And if you just change the environment, that automatically changes your behavior. And it will do it a lot quicker because you'll be in um, using other neurons, mirror neurons, things like that. Um, you'll be um, exposing yourself to things that are kind of like portals to growth. Um, so do that with an open mind. Uh, picture this, like just roughly, and don't worry, like don't, you know, the semantics, the ins and outs of it. But if I, if I was asked you, hey, picture a guy from behind in like a, a white kind of jumpsuity thing and he's punching the wall and the wall's padded like what would you think what would i think of that like yeah visual? It, yeah visual? yeah yeah what, what what could be like a you know like so it's like a white padded room yeah yeah no i've i've got a full visual of it i i can that's fine um and sand i would think just sadness and insanity okay why okay. like just why now let's go to the next one okay same guy okay. now he's in an orange jumpsuit Right. And uh, there's, you know, prison bars around and he's doing the same action. You see him from behind and he's punching this guy. Now, what would you think? Mm -hmm. The same sadness and insanity that we, we, we choose to do this to human beings. I, I'm a little bit of a soft individual when it comes to certain things. Okay. Now let's go to the next one and I'll, I'll take a leap. I won't go through the whole thing, but let's just say you see a soldier in uniform, same guy from the back. You see a mother crying with a child and he's punching punching someone on the ground would you think insanity where are we well so i, I don't want to like spell out Got every it. inch of the context but it's like Got basically it. but, but no i would i wouldn't think that i would think normal behavior here he's potentially doing heroic duties it's the same man he's doing the same thing he's just moved in that environment um, right. you can do that too you know it, it can be stifling and uh I was lucky. I grew up more in what a lot of people would call a white privileged house. Um, mm -hmm. Although I don't think so. My parents worked their asses off. They were very intelligent and open-minded and, you know, had to earn it. But by and large, if you look at societal scales compared to someone who's trapped in, you know, the hood, um, which is very much more difficult, you know, it's harder to get mm -hmm. those foods. It's harder to get out of, but find that way out. And that'll reinforce the behavior. You don't even have to change who you are. The right. environment will already start it'll compress you. It'll change you into what it knows. That's just how it works. Well, that's why they say when an individual is struggling with addiction, if they're seriously in that addiction and after they go away to a treatment facility, never bring them back to the same place. You need to change the environment. If you give someone the same reality on repeat, they will repeat those negative behaviors. Eventually it's, it's, it's a matter of time. And that environment has given them the, the negative trait tools to Correct. bring them down that path. You know, it could be uh, negative relationships that don't mm -hmm. uh, nourish or soul, don't help them be healthy. It could be, um, we talked about that insanity. So one of the things that people do when they're trapped in this insanity, when their soul is blackened, is they'll use escapism to include drugs, alcohol, um, addictive behaviors like that, that are self-destructive to numb the fact, like your body knows your body is like, we we're talking about one of the most sophisticated things in the universe. Like it's so beautiful and complex. It's so amazing. And it knows when things aren't in alignment, it knows very much. So we see some, like you break your hand or your wrist. It's very easy to be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's hurt. It's damaged. Ow. Um, Ow. Yeah. It's really letting me know what happens with the brain. The brain doesn't have the same kind of pain receptors and stuff. So it's feedback isn't as direct, you know, for those psychological mm -hmm. ones that, uh, um, but 
you know, you start by numbing yourself. You're either chasing a higher state of consciousness or you're numbing the one you're in. Um, so it's a very good indicator. And escapism is, you know, bad habits with TV, pornography, uh, anything to do with that, addictions. Uh, most drugs, and I'm saying most, even medical ones, um, alcohol, things like that. Those are oh. very good signs to an individual to be like, if you're, even if you're like, no, I'm a teenager, I'm partying. Well, you're still masking something. And I'm not saying not to party. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I believe in the symposium comp, uh, mixture, you know, um, have a little fun. It's just, but if there's it's, depths if it's, there that are never explored and you can never yeah. fully understand why the behavior is what it is. Yeah. That that's the, I, I believe we touched on it a tiny bit, but diving into your shadows, your blind spots, whether you look at it like a Jungian or uh, like an astrology person or like my wife, she does shadow work. That's what she does. She helps people um, through movement, through calming the brain theta states and applied kinesiology techniques and a bunch of other things. Um, I won't go down that road too much, but it instantly creates like a safe haven in your brain for you to explore those things. It's kind of like we talked about ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, what it does is it has like this really like SSRI style, like super serotonin flood that creates almost like a safe space for you to look at these shadows mm -hmm. and it just happens. It's, it's really miraculous. Um, and, and that's what happens though. If we bury them away too much, they become really big demons, right? Um, if we start younger, um, I don't know where this would start. Well, I know where it starts. I just, I don't know where parents would do it, but learning like uh, listening, like you were, you were saying, how to communicate with your child so they know how to communicate to you. This That's is what right. I'm feeling. Okay, we don't need to know exactly what it is. You know, we don't need to know the psychology, but okay, now we're somewhere. Okay, well, let's explore that. Oh, it just turns out it's this weird little um, mm -hmm. shadow in your room from the light that's creating this. And it's not always practical like that. Or it could be, oh yeah, you know, daddy's raising his voice a little. Dad, he's stressed. He's not mad at you. The environment's still good, you know? exactly um, we had that situation with my husband when he got ill we had to explain to jack this is why daddy reacted that way and then brady would sit down and say buddy i didn't mean to raise my voice but this is why i'm feeling this way daddy's not feeling well this is what's happening to my body and then he would explain and then i could see the change you could see the change from i did something wrong to oh oh daddy's just not feeling good like it was, it was, it was a special moment to watch it happen. When you see a learned behavior imprint on a child, it's unlike anything, especially when it's positive. And it's happening so much, especially in those really formative years, like the young ones over and over and over and over and over and over, like just it's such a miraculous thing. And, but it takes, you know, it takes parents being aware of their behaviors and mm -hmm. but like that's what i meant about usually these things are simple have an open mind being willing to listen you know okay i hear you I, I might not hear you yet but let's get there so that i can you know truly almost be sympathetic along this journey with you mm -hmm. um yeah it can get tough that that's that's like you mentioned about breaking the environments that's like one of the things we do with the process is people move out of their environment we completely remove humanity as much as we can from it legally i guess um <laughs> from it legally. they sign well, yeah, documents you know, it's fine they they do I, they do and everybody loves it you know it doesn't matter if they leave minute one um because it, it's it's a it's a multiple phase program it's not just right. uh an experience like the experience the eight-day experience is crucial 
um, very crucial. It's, it's, it's this giant neuropsychological same feedback loop. It's so cool. Um, anyways, but it, it's spread out over four phases. So it's a long time. If people really do want to genuinely navigate this and have behavioral change, it's spread out for them to do that and provides the community to do that. Some of the things we talked about, you know, a place to belong, a place to communicate, to explore safely, make a vessel. It sounds like you and your mm -hmm. husband make a good vessel container for you guys to explore emotions with your child, with yourselves. Uh, very important and difficult to do if you're, you know, hungry or starving or drunk and high all the time. And well, that's hate it. Your job that's and that's it. If you hate your life, you hate your work, you hate where you go home. How are you expected to have any sort of other positive feedback when you're so hyper-focused? It's like the, um, when individuals say, how do, how do North Koreans just live like that? It's, it's one guy and it's the military, but the amount of people, how, how is this continuing to happen? Well, when you take everything from someone and you only allow them to focus on one thing like food, Every minute of every day of every waking hour of your life is how do I get enough food for my children? How do I get enough food? How do I get enough food? You leave no space to think about anything else than just surviving. It's obviously a, one of the more extreme examples on earth because mm -hmm. North Koreans, I don't know this, you know, I, I've, I've spoken with a couple people from North Korea, but never really a, like in depth and like I don't know a ton about it you know obviously I I know some of what's going on I, I to be full disclosure I very much so removed myself from anything open source news or any of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff because it's just so skewed but they don't even have a choice they like they right. have it's it's okay I say they don't have a choice they could amass and be like hey wait a minute there weirdo with this weird haircut we're not doing this anymore this is not cool you know, right. but, but they, they're, they're inheriting it so much, like already from the genetic level up, they've inherited this. So like, they don't get to consciously make that choice, you know what I mean? Right. Where lots of other places in the world, you do get that. You still inherit the systems that are around you and uh, cultures and behaviors and stuff, but there's much more room for it. Mm -hmm. And then there's other ones that like Amazonian tribes that they don't change a lot. And from the outside, you, you may or may not like the way it looks, but there's a ton of room for that, for that, like that exploration of that where, yeah. Hey, you want to go, go, you know, even anyways. Yeah. But in Peru, like great example, you know, Shipibo tribe, they, their children are brought into Aya ceremonies very young. They, they're exposed to drinking Aya very young. I know our shamans during their pregnancy, used ayahuasca during pregnancy regularly like there is there's space in those places to look within it's almost expected it's a different type of human than you kind of breed over here breed hmm. i sound like i'm breeding what am i dog well, we are with? we are there, there's the herd and yeah in, in a lot of ways that's 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 the illusion that's hmm. the what do they call that the maya is that yeah. you know you're 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 you think you got full control but if you read like a sapolsky book or um anything in any depth of behavior it soon becomes obvious how much from the quantum atomic level up you're not you know like at, you're at the helm of the universe to begin with um mm -hmm. we're not you know you're not god or whatever you don't get to control it at that level um but then just like 
okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm at the helm. Like my parents are in control and then school and then this and that and how much that is. And then eventually it's like, Ooh, but that's why it's good to explore uh, those consciousness states um, mm -hmm. so that you, you don't get knotted up. Cause here's, here's a, here's a fact, or maybe it's not a fact. I don't, I can't really say fact. Everybody is going to come out of childhood with some wounding that they have to face at some time. Because the more perfect your parents are, the more perfect your society is, potentially the more complex in some ways those wounds will be. Um, I think of like one that I, a tiny one that took me, you know, maybe, I, I don't know the details of how long it took me because it's really not a big deal, but um, it just goes to show where it can come from. I think my parents were pretty open and honest and uh, they did a really good job, but of course they made mistakes. They like, most Protestant families told me about Christmas and Santa and Santa was real for so many years until I heard he wasn't. And this is like, I'm talking, I'm literally like, come on, spoiled kid. But now I was like, I, I remember can't trust that. my parents. I can't trust them. They lied to parents. me. All my betrayal, my entire universe was as soon as trust is gone in anything. That's where your ideality and reality start to separate. As soon as trust is gone, it separates. And then that's where suffering happens. You want to bring those together. And, you know, I was young, I was like, whoa, these people are supposed to, you know, have, they're my security center and this and that. Right. And anyways, obviously I got over it and Santa's totally real. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, you could see like, it's a small little example of that thing. Luckily I was in a place to, to work through it, um, mm -hmm. but nobody sets off trying to do something like that with like the intention Oh, I hope this wounds my kid. I can't wait to tell him there's no Santa. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's <laughs> it, no, no one tries to damage their child, but inevitably, if you ask a child over a 10 day period, this is a great example. If you ask a child, child over a 10 day period and you ask them every day, what was their favorite part of the day? Okay. Most of the time, or what was the worst part of the day? Most of the time, the answer that they'll give you versus the answer you think drastically different. Great day with Jack, got a new toy, went out and did this and that and blah, 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 blah. You know what the kid's favorite part of the day was? We stopped outside the Walmart to see the pigeons and some of the pigeons were playing. That was his favorite part of the day. What? What do you mean? So we have this idea that we think we know what will affect them or damage them or make them happy. But the reality is their perception is, is going to be drastically different than ours, no matter what we do. All you can do is set them up the best you possibly think you can and hang on and hope for the best. Yeah. And like, I would imagine, you know, you just stay open to the possibilities of other things changing. Mm -hmm. Don't, unless you really know what you value and what you believe, like truly, and you've thought about it and you've worked it and you've come and stress with it and you've tested it or whatever, all those mm -hmm. things. Try not to like jam it down your kids throat too much, you know, let them, let them think. Yeah. Yeah. Give them like the illusion, not the illusion. Well, I guess the illusion of no boundaries because kids love that. They love to feel they'll test their, they'll look for them. Right. That's what we do mm -hmm. as humans. We're really good at it. Um, and they'll find them because <laughs> that's what society will do. It'll be like, Nope, that's a boundary. Nope. That's a boundary. And right. you know, you give them the sage advice along the way, I guess. Well, we learned that, um, when we took him from our outdoor preschool in the woods, oh, yeah. eight, nine hours a day. I bet he was heartbroken. He was. 
um, into the school system this year. And he spent a year and a half learning how to build fires and forage for the proper food. He got a hatch at us fourth birthday. They go learn farming. They have chickens and cows and horses, and they're on this huge acreage in the woods and no teachers wore masks. And they have this illusion of freedom where they can go, <laughs> excuse me, and play and do whatever. And the teachers are around and they're watching but there's this illusion that they're alone to think creatively. And then you put them into the system. And something that I learned very quick after six months, of, not even six months of him being in the system was how ill-equipped individuals were to have children because my child would be the one helping the other kids put their clothes on and helping them pack their lunch and showing them how to tie their shoes and showing them how to, you know, this is what we do outside. You don't have to just stand there and wait for beside the teacher. Like, go play. And I've never seen such a drastic human being versus some of his friends. It's, it's wild to me. And when you give a child the illusion or of freedom that they can go, they explore themselves. They explore what they, they shouldn't do, be it by hurting themselves maybe. And hopefully it's not anything life-threatening, but they learn that, Hey, if I swing the ax that way, it's probably going to hurt. So I don't swing the ax that way. But if you're constantly holding their hand and say, never pick that up, never go over there. Don't touch that because it might be hot. Don't touch that because it might be dangerous or don't jump off that because you might hurt yourself. I mean, that would have saved me a ton of ER visits already up till five, but it wouldn't have created. I don't think he's perfect. I don't think that he's going to change. You know, he could change humanity, but if you give them the, the freedom to think their little brains the stuff they come up with is just, it, it's unlike anything I, I, I thought that I could create. Well, they're, they're truly tapped into just a different stream of consciousness than you and I, yes. you know, now I'm like spending a lifetime trying to undo it and I, you know, schedule it in playtime and stuff like that. The other way creates the victim mindset you know, as, right. as opposed to a more heroic approach to it. Um, I do have a question for you, if you don't mind. Um, so I, I'm not a parent. I, so I, I don't get to, to explore this the same way. I have a different lens, different thoughts. Um, I can't remember what you just said, but it kind of alludes to like, there's just too many people. Or no, you said uh, the, the right to parent almost, you know, to have a kid like yeah, you know, you, we, we have, you know, the whole thing, oh, you got to have a driver's license to drive. Cause what you said, there was one part that I just tiny bit correct. And that is your child will change the world in some way. Um, you know, right. unless they're in a hole, even like if you look at it atomically, you know, just atoms and molecules floating around, doesn't matter how isolated you are, you will impact the world somehow. Everyone has impact and it's right. about arming them to make that impact the best possible, the most um, holistic, healthy way. Cause that, like my health is actually dependent on you in a lot of ways. You know, if you were mm -hmm. a highly polluting, you know, like, let's just say you're my neighbor and you're caustic, it doesn't even matter. Like in my, I can't be my healthiest self without other people because I depend on mother earth, you know, my lung, my, like right. I'm so attached to it and same with other people. So it, it's an important job for parents to do that to set. So anyways, I, I, the question is, have you ever thought about how you would navigate that? Like, 
is it like a child lottery? Is it you have to pass a certification? You know, is it, oh no, there's only so many people on planet earth, you know, because obviously population control is, is an issue. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I, like, have you thought about that? A little bit, um, because I do think that being a parent holds so much more weight than any anybody truly realizes unless you've, you've had it and you're like, oh, okay, there's a thing that looks like me here now that's just going to do stuff. And the reality is, is anyone can get pregnant. It happens. It happens traumatically. It happens by accident. It happens, as some people say, by miracle. It happens through IVF when individuals can't get pregnant. It, you know, and this is a very controversial way of looking at things, but you know, some people just aren't meant to be parents and not to say that I'm all high and mighty and I should pick who chooses to be a parent, but I do think there should be some requirements. Um, now the logistics behind it, I've, I'll, I'll never be the person to tell you that, um, I'll never tell you how do I word this? I'm trying to be really smart about this because backlash a lot. Well, that, that's never... a testament to the health of our society is that you can't explore a conversation through dialogue. We're just exploring here. You're not telling right. Anyone. No, I'm and yeah. You, and no, you you're... have to worry about the ramifications. You know, I have to worry because I, people try to cancel me. That's my life. Um, so, uh, you know, I think I'll never tell you what to do with your body across the board. I don't agree with somebody telling me ever what to do with mine. Not even from the, not just don't take out the woman's perspective take out that aspect. I, you'll never be able to tell me what to do with my body because it's my body. It's my space. It's my, it's my energy. No, you don't get to tell me, but except for the vaccine, eh, that's also a different conversation, but <laughs> I also believe if you're looking at a greater good of society and you're looking at the, the state of humanity and how far along we are and the reality of space, fuel, uh, nutrients, and what our planet can sustain. I do believe there should be some type of control aspect put into that. And I'm not talking about the aspect of, because trust me, we knew people who flew over from China and had a genetic make baby where you, they pick the eye color, they pick the sex, they pick everything about this child because CRISPR is a real thing. And it is something that is being dabbled with, whether we like it or not, human genetics are being messed with period across the board. They came over and did a, a customized baby. There should be some way for us to say, do you have proper housing? Do you have financial stability? Do you have, um, I don't say, are you a single parent? Because plenty of single parents raise some of the most incredible humans in the world. That being said, we now understand that when you have two parents in the home, regardless of gender, there's obviously going to be more stability and or safety around that. That's not always true. There could be outside influence in terms of aggression or trauma, yes, trauma yeah. within the socioeconomic. The it's a massive metrics. component. They, yeah. They understand like, okay, these things like we, yeah. Takes this to feed sure. a kid. This takes to house a kid. This takes this to, to make sure the kid is probably looked after and, and, and medically cared for. So there should be aspects of that, that would hopefully alleviate the, you know, the, the, the system that we have 
all of these children being dumped into, whether it's they do, the parent doesn't want to care for them anymore, or they're unable to care for them. And then we have this foster care system, which often breeds some really traumatized little individuals because of lack of care and, and um, access to, to quality things like so many of us have. So I think, yes, there needs to be some control. That's a difficult question though, because then you're, you're treading into who has that control. Yeah. Well, yeah. The distributive justice of it, who for sure. That's tricky. That's tricky. But yeah, there are, there, trust me, I know plenty of people that have seven plus children that should not have seven plus children. I know people who have one child that should not have a child. That being said, the choices was made. The child is here. Now, I believe there should be some repercussions towards parents who are not feeding their kids properly. They are not educating them emotionally properly. They're not looking after their well-being properly. So it's a really difficult question, but I do, yes, believe as we progress on this planet and we see it dying off in the ways that we do, I think it is irresponsible as society and humanity progresses to continue down this path of people having 10 and 12 kids because they don't believe in contraception. People who are just having children to have kids because they get a bigger check from the government. And the reality is I I did a podcast with who the heck did I just have on this week? That was American David Wood. And we talked about that. People will pop out kids because they will get better checks when they're in the military, if they have more children or they'll get better benefits. And that unfortunately is the reality. We have human trafficking. People buy human beings. This day and age, you can go to China and you can buy a human being that is your property in 2021. So there's a, it's a, it's a bigger problem than, than people having children, but yes, it does. I believe that is the way to slow the population growth is if we could monitor or come up with a lottery or something where you put in, Hey, this, these are the people that are, we believe are suitable to be parents that are going to create productive, healthy parts of society that will progress humanity. There should be a lottery. I believe that you get put into. And then when it's your time to have a kid, then that's your time. Because let's be honest, Jeff, the way that technology is progressing and at the pace in which it is, it will almost become irresponsible for a human being to birth a baby because there's so many variables, stress, um, uh, DNA issues, um, Asperger's down to autism, that there are variables that eventually in the very few future, near future, we will be able to modify change and, and prevent. I'm not saying that and people argue with me about this. Well, my kid has autism. So how could you say that? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm still saying there's a value to that human being. But what I am saying too, though, is that with science progressing at the pace that it is, it is almost irresponsible in the next probably 10 to 15 years to have a natural child because of the amount of variables that are at play. That was a huge convoluted rant, but I hope I answered it to some extent. Yeah, 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 yeah. You you tipped in. It's a I didn't expect it's you a to huge take conversation. Stand. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I just I think it's uh, I I'd all goes in my 
everything that we're doing is, you know, you can call it expanding consciousness, whatever it is, awareness, whatever you want. And I think just in doing that, it'll automatically do that. Usually people who, mm -hmm. um, on the scale of consciousness, um, once they start getting to a certain level of awareness, they, they usually don't have 10 kids anyways. They're, they're too aware. They, they're too, you're aware of like when you slap the pond and the ripples go out, every action right. you do is like that, right? Into the quantosphere. And the more you become aware of it, the less likely you are to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Like, like, yeah. Because well, well, Jess and I, we're, we're selling everything and we're moving on to a sailboat. Um, and yeah, you we're were telling me a, that a while ago. We're, we're trying to have kids you know, or a kid at least. We're like, okay, this is a whole different environment, but you know, at least we're considering how does that work? Mm -hmm. You know, because right away it's like, oh no, you can't do that. And I was like, why can't you? Perfect, you know, because every kid I know, I know, <laughs> uh, every story I've read about people who grew up like that, kids that traveled the world on sailboats, they loved it. You know, they get to explore new cultures. They get to soak up so much experience, you know, mm -hmm. the hardships of the sea, um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's just a different thing. And like you, you kind of said this at the beginning of the podcast, you know, when you achieve something, you often, you know, if you, you don't have that need or that want that pull towards it, you, you were, you were alluding to, I don't know exactly what we were alluding to it had nothing to do with children, but it had to do with like that balance and that, um, you know, your, your, uh, your values and what you strive for. And, um, sometimes that's innate. Sometimes that's like from a human to human standpoint, you, you understand that you need to eat. So you strive to make sure that you have enough food. That's something your brain focuses on as a woman. There's a, a point in most women, not all women, but the women I've spoken to, there's a point where their body goes, I get like an ovary twitch. I get that I need to have a child. I get that innate genetic. I am supposed to build a human and put it out to the world. That was what I was built for situation. And once I had one, I never felt that feeling again. I know plenty of people who are like, I feel it all the time, every time I'm around a baby. But I, I think that comes back to this topic where you were speaking of, you know, I once I've expanded my consciousness enough and I see things differently and I, and I look at the world differently, I've now done that one thing. I don't feel like I need more of that one thing. That one thing is fine. That's enough. I've felt that need. I've filled that need and that value and that whatever that is that my body said I needed to do. And I did it. And now I move forward with it but I don't feel like I need to continually, you know, go back to that value or that need or have that pull. Um, and I, and I, and I, you know, people who have kids that live an alternative lifestyle, I know plenty of kids that they, their parents have like buses and they just travel around with them and they homeschool. And they're some of the coolest kids I've ever met. They're also the kids that can ha hold a conversation with an adult and they can, the situational things, when you drop a kid off, they look around for a second. They're not immediately like, where's my mom? I need to stand near them. They're able to be, okay, this is where this is. This is where this is. Mom's over here. I can go do me. Seriously though, those kids that are raised differently are often the most successful. It, obviously, you know, the discussion has its opposites as well. I agree with you. Uh, we had made me think of uh, when I was in high school, there was this family, 
think it was four boys and late so what they did is I think it was like their last year of high school they actually went to high school public school to Mm -hmm. to finish up and you know remember like nothing I'm saying is all from the teenage mind but we we called them the gumps because they all showed up looking like Forrest Gump with the same haircut and the same kind of button up and the same kind of slack and they really like they moved a lot without moving their arms and stuff and they were socially awkward and you know they they had homeschooling but no like socialization and it's so different now from a homeschooling perspective like the outdoor preschool jack went to they also have like a program of for home learners where they do homeschool for like half the day and then they go here and they socialize because i think for a long time that was the biggest missing factor for homeschoolers or individuals like that the 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 socialization was not taken into account in the weight that it truly holds in developing a child. And now though, these kids, the socialization is like the main component of homeschoolers, at least in where I currently live, I know a abundance of homeschool kids and families. And it's very interesting because they're often from uh, ex-military families or first responding families and the wife stays home and is able to do it. But the difference is, they're in, and cause I'm part of one of these group chats, they're in these massive group chats where all these moms are doing 900 activities with these kids and they're all together and they're always with each other. And these kids are the more normal than, than some of these other children who walk out of the classroom with their, they walk in with this beautiful light. And then they walk out at the end of the day with their head down and they're just, I'm done. And the light is sucked out of them. And that's why your kids are going to be just fine, Jeff. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, if you teach them even 10 minutes of what you've taught us over almost two hours, I have so much hope for your children. And you're the type of person who I'd be like, three or four is fine for you. You can have three or four because I know they're not going to turn out to be useless meat bags that stress everyone out appreciate that it's been a well-spent couple hours well i've i've enjoyed every single minute of it and frankly i as as hard as it was to get us locked down this has got to be one of my favorite episodes i've ever had um and i could listen to you talk and i can converse with you and for hours and hours and hours and i have a feeling um that will happen whether you want to participate or not but it will um, can you, first off, thank you from me, but also from my listeners, because I, I can't tell you how informative, useful, broken down and great this has been. And I don't say that at the end of pretty much any episode, I've had a great time with a lot of guests, but this has been something that I've signed. I find so much value in this episode has got so much value and I am so beyond thankful for your time. But can you kind of tell everyone where they can find, you know, the documentary, where they can find stuff about the process, how they can become a part of what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So uh, working backwards, the documentary, uh, posttraumaticgrowth.film. It's also, you can find it through our website, thespecialforcesexperience.com. And I invite any man who's ready, 
willing and wanting to expand who he is, expand his consciousness and, uh, you know, jump into the forge, if you will, and test your metal uh, to check out the process. And then, uh, yeah, my, my Instagram is Jeff DePotsy and uh, the special forces experiences out there on Instagram world as well. Pretty easy to find. Um, but yeah, if you head to the special forces experience.com, that'll lead you down most of the, most of the rabbit holes. And uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on Kelsey. No, dude. Oh, so grateful. Like I so grateful. Thank you. So, 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 so much. Um, stick with me. Otherwise everyone else, we finally got them here. Here we are. You're welcome. <laughs>